is claiming the government's policy on illegal drugs wastes money and creates victims of crime. It signed up to an international campaign challenging the traditional approach to drugs, as Stuart Flinders reports. The association says a blanket ban on Class A drugs, such as cocaine and heroin, allows criminals to control their supply and forces addicts to turn to crime to fuel their habit. It says this means more people become prisoners at the expense of the taxpayer and more become victims of crime. The association has signed up to an international initiative called Count the Costs, which questions the effectiveness of outright prohibition. Concerns are being raised about the safety of the Milton Keynes grid road system due to the number of fatal accidents at crossing points. The area's coroner is urging the council to review the situation, as Jessica Cooper reports. There are thought to be more than 50 crossover junctions in Milton Keynes where traffic can cut from one dual carriageway to another. In the last 10 years, there have been six deaths, 30 serious injuries and more than 200 slight injuries at these junctions. Following a number of serious accidents a few years ago, a crossover point at Thursden was closed. An Aylesbury boy is flying to America for life-saving surgery today thanks to the goodwill of people in the area. More than a quarter of a million pounds was raised in the space of just a week, allowing seven-year-old Alex Novakovic, who has a brain tumour, to get treatment that's currently unavailable in this country. Family friend Dominic Smith says they've been overwhelmed by people's kindness. It's incredible. You know, people have signs on fences. Every shop you go to in Gentle Square, people are doing something. Everybody has done what they can. In sport, Liverpool's managing director Ian Eyre says both the club and Luis Suarez are shocked and disappointed at the 10-game ban handed to the striker for biting Chelsea's Branislav Ivanovic. Suarez won't play again this season and will miss the first six games of next season. The weather, cloudy with sunny spells and a top temperature of 21 degrees Celsius, that's 70 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. LS got the uh, TGB, did he? I beg your pardon? Luis Suarez got the 10-game ban. Sorry, I was just trying to save a bit of time by abbreviating it. Well, that worked. <laughs> Good. Sirs in right, snivelling little so-and-so. Fighting another football player? No! Good. Bad, bad, him, for, bad him for 11. No, 10 is plenty, actually. Let's not get carried away. Good, I'm glad he got a 10-game ban. Dirty little so-and-so. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Apologies to Tony Woods and everybody else who was disappointed I wasn't here yesterday. Oh, had lots of important things to do. Maybe I'll explain later on. It's a very uh, exciting and not-in-the-good-sense couple of days. Lots coming up on the show this morning. A national measles vaccination programme is being rolled out across England. The number of cases has more than doubled since last year. I want to ask you this morning, did you not get the MMR jab for your kids because you were scared of the supposed links with autism? Do you regret it now? 08459 455 555. People Power in Aylesbury has raised the money to send a seven-year-old boy to America for an operation, which his family hope will save him from a brain tumour. And our reporter, Jessica Cooper, will be at the crossover junctions on grid roads in Milton Keynes. They're being called into question after six deaths within ten years. Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR, and uh, include your name, please. Or look the best way. All the lines are empty at the moment. Give me a call, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
A national measles vaccination programme is being rolled out across England as figures reveal the number of cases has more than doubled since last year. It's targeting around a million children and teenagers who were born around the time the concern about the now discredited link between autism and the MMR vaccine was widespread. Well, our reporter Simon Thompson has got more details. Morning, Simon. Hi, Ian. Good morning. Why is the campaign happening? Well, the recent epidemic we saw in Swansea obviously alarmed doctors and parents alike. There are 900 cases there uh, in Wales uh, alone, and health officials warn an outbreak could happen quite simply anywhere across the UK. It's thought a generation of children have now got low levels of protection against uh, after the MMR scan uh, scare in, in the 1990s. Measles, of course, is a highly contagious disease. It, it causes a high fever and rash, and one in 15 cases can lead to severe complications like pneumonia, inflammation of the brain and can be fatal so it's pretty serious uh, condition in and in 2012 there were nearly 2,000 cases of measles across England the highest figure for nearly two decades and this year that number of cases already seems even higher what caused the MMR scare in the mid-90s well, a decade ago, measles wasn't a concern in the UK. It had been effectively eradicated, and uh, the only cases were seen were those coming from abroad. But then this research in the mid-1990s by a surgeon called Andrew Wakefield linked MMR with autism. He wrote a paper in The Lancet, and it caused vaccination rates to fall overnight below the rate needed to prevent the spread of the disease. Now, the research has since been discredited. Andrew Wakefield has been struck off the medical register, and The Lancet retracted the research. But the vaccination rates have since recovered but it's children born in the 1990s where are still low levels of vaccination. And how will the campaign work, Simon? Well, it's called a catch-up campaign. It's run through GPs, schools and community groups and they'll focus, first of all, on children aged between 10 and 16 as they're the ones most likely to have missed out on the vaccination in the 1990s. The campaign's expected to cost £20 million. It'll aim to vaccinate children who haven't had the MMR jab then when they were first born, which covers measles, mumps, rubella, of course, and to hopefully vaccinate them by the next school year, September this year. And the Department of Health already has 1.2 million vaccines ready uh, and and certainly there'll be, everyone will be encouraged to have their first MMR jab before next school year and a booster jab as well. It's very important. A lot of parents at the time decided to have one jab, not both, and that still doesn't adequately cover them against measles. Simon Thompson, thank you very much indeed. Well, the question this morning is to you, dear listener, did you hold off or, or, or avoid getting the MMR in the 90s or at any point because of your fear of the alleged links with autism. Are you regretting it now? And are you looking at getting your kids uh, immunised or maybe even yourself immunised? 08459 455 555. There are some misguided people out there who still think there is a link between the MMR and autism. Is that you? Do you still think that there's a connection and that there's a good reason to avoid it? Because, oh, you can never be too sure... 08459 455 555 is the phone number. Would love to speak to you if you avoided getting your kids uh, vaccinated at some point. Just because you were afraid. Remember, there was a big thing about it, and Tony Blair, didn't he, refused to answer whether he'd given his kids the MMR or not. 08459 455 555. You can email ian.lee, I-A-I-N, at L-E-E, at bbc.co.uk.
Michael Jackson, isn't it? I remember where I was when I heard he was he was dead. I was watching the news on the telly. So I could be successfully ruled out of all police inquiries there. 08459 455 555 is the telephone. I, I wasn't actually. I was um, filming a, 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 one of the worst sitcoms of all time. Anyway, by the way. Uh, 08459 455 555. Did you avoid getting the MMR for your kids because you were worried about the supposed link between the, the triple vaccination and autism. It was a big thing in the 90s. It was huge. Tony Blair was asked questions in the in Parliament about whether he'd had the MMR for his kids and he refused to answer it. Uh, people were terrified. Did you just think, ah, do you know what? I'm not going to do it. The risk's too great. And are you regretting that now? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can also send me an email. Ian.ly at bbc.co.uk. I-A-I-N dot L-double-E at bbc.co.uk. We'll have a little look at the front uh, pages of some of the newspapers a bit later on. The, the, the Telegraph has done a very strange thing. It's all about watches this morning. I don't quite understand it. There was a big glossy pull-out magazine about watches. There was also kind of like what looked like a newspaper about watches. I, I'm guessing they've taken uh, the, the watches dollar, that watches have somehow slipped them a few shekels to advertise watches. We all know what watches are. We don't need to advertise watches, do we? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. How many watches have you got? I've got two. I've got, I've got three. Oh, I've got four! Turns out I've got four watches. I've got my calculator watch for everyday use. I've got my uh, standard Casio that my wife uses. I've got my posh watch that I got given for um, doing a very well-paid job. It was such a well-paid job, they gave me a really expensive watch as well. That was the night I nearly touched Christine Aguilera's backside. I know. Yeah, I know. I was stood on stage. She kept taking a step back. If I hadn't have taken one step back, I would have been touching her derriere. And I've also got uh, a watch that my dad gave me. How many watches have you got? Can we find the person with the most watches? You see? The mo- mojo is back. Uh, who said? Tony Woods, who said I'd lost it? Not me. Upstairs making a coffee. Here's the travel news now, Alan Cowie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, good morning, looking uh, pretty good on the roads right now with no accidents or problems to report. The M25's down to 50 through the roadworks between Junction 23, South Mims and 25, which is the A10. Uh, London Road West in Amersham. There are roadworks at Station Road and the High Street in uh, Houghton Regis at uh, Cemetery Road. There are some uh, temporary lights being used at times for roadworks, but uh, no reports of any disruption to the trains. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alan, thank you very much. 6.16 exactly. It's Thursday the 25th of April. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Health officials are starting a vaccination campaign to protect around a million children and teenagers in England from measles. Concerns are being raised about the safety of the Milton Keynes grid road system due to the number of fatal accidents at crossing points. In sport, Borussia Dortmund beat Real Madrid 4-1 in their Champion League semi-final last night. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Cloudy with sunny spells and a top temperature of 21 degrees. Coming up, People Power in Aylesbury has raised the money to send a seven-year-old boy to America for an operation, which his family will hope will save him from a brain tumour. We'll hear more before 6.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
tackling your consumer problems. Sylvie wasn't happy with the quality of her telephone line. Kate's having problems with her leaky garage roof. The JVS Show. Five times they've not turned up for the appointment. I've still got the leak, which is obviously getting worse. Fighting for your rights. I went to speak to your telephone company and I said, look, what on earth is going on? The JVS Show. Have they managed to fix the problem with the internet? Yeah, it's fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. It could not, well, it would not have happened without your intervention. If you have a consumer problem, we can do the same for you. It took one phone call from yourselves, whereas I've been trying for over six months. The JVS Show, weekday mornings from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. the money to send a seven-year-old boy to America for an operation which his family hope will save him from a brain tumour. The target was £255,000 and in just one week they've raised the money for Alexander Novakovich's uh, journey. Our reporter Sophie Solaria has been to De- Aylesbury to hear how a community has rallied together to help this incredible little boy. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you, Thank you ever so much. 
Uh, my name's Dominic Smith um, and I'm a, a fellow dad from Bedgrove Infant School um, where Alex was a pupil and we've just been raising awareness really for the cause so trying to get as much money as possible. Over the last eight days we had 255000 to raise to send Alex to America which seemed impossible to begin with but Aylesbury's just got behind it, the whole community's behind it and it looks like now we're going to reach that target and Alex will be able to go and have life-saving treatment. Tell me a little bit about Alex's condition. You know, he's, he's very, very poorly. He's, he's got to get to America and the sooner he gets there the better. What does he need doing? He's having proton therapy, which is... <sighs> I find it hard talking about this, like... I can't tell you how emotional it is. It's incredible. I'm Kevin Stenson. So, Kevin, you're one of the people that are collecting with buckets. Can you just tell me about how much money you've collected in the last half an hour? We've been here, and just looking at it, we're probably up to 150, probably, in there, I should think, by the time it's all counted out. Oh, my goodness. So we've got piles of £10 notes. We've got £2 coins. That's not your average collection, is it? It's just... It's amazingly touching. It's uh, humbling. I'm with Lara. Lara, you, you work here at Hartwells yeah. and you made the decision to change the window display from being the houses that you're selling to being posters for the charity. Yeah, I just I thought it was the least we could do. Um, and obviously it's in sort of in Buckingham Street, so it's the town centre, so it gets everyone's attention. Um, might just remind people to donate. People can that's not heard about it will see it, stop and question. I can't even describe what it what's going on in Aylesbury at the moment. I mean, any time you look on on the on the on the computer, anything sort of Twitter and Facebook, all my newsfeed is just Alex, Alex, Alex. I hardly see any. That's all I've seen all week. Well, Kelly Welsh is from Aylesbury and was part of the campaign to help Alex. Morning, Kelly. Good morning, Kelly. The the money was raised in about a week. How are you and all the other fundraisers feeling now? It's oh, it's kind of indescribable. I mean, the words elated relieved, shocked, are just being bantered around. It's absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I know um, Kevin, uh, who was on the report there, was saying he used the word humbling, and I think that's such a good word. It really is. It's just overwhelming. When did you get involved, and, and what, what role did you play? Well, the first I heard about it, I mean, we'd heard in the playground that Alex was really poorly, um, but, you know, they were keeping themselves to themselves, and I didn't really know much more than that. But last Tuesday, it got brought up at a PTA meeting. Um, Mrs. Sue Longmate, who's Alex's teacher, brought it to our attention that they've got this possibility of sending him to Boston, and they need all this money. And that was that was the first I heard about it. And everyone's minds got buzzing about doing something. By the time I got home, it was all over Facebook, and there were links to his page explaining in more detail his story and what exactly was needed. Um, and the following morning, a couple of mums all got together and we just started brainstorming, trying to think, well, we've got to try and do something, so let's have a little think and put our heads together. Quarter of a million pounds. When you heard that figure, did you really think it was possible? To be honest, that thought, whether it was possible or not, was never really an issue. It was just a matter of we've got to try. We've got to try and do something, so we did. And what kind of things were done? How, how was this money raised? Oh, well, the first thing we thought was, you know try and sort of get awareness with the other parents that might not know, might not have heard about him. We just we just did a cake sale <laughs> on that last Thursday. You didn't make a quarter of a million pounds from selling fairy cakes, did you, Kelly? <laughs> well, I wish. They yeah, were that, amazing that, cakes. <laughs> <laughs> no, we did, however, raise £1,100 that afternoon. Wow. In about, yeah, about 45 minutes. Fantastic. People were just throwing money in buckets. And at the end of it, that we all stood there 
with these wads of these wads of notes in our hands going crikey we could possibly do this if this is the type of feeling and momentum behind everybody we you know we, we realized everyone's in it together and everybody wants to get this done I'd imagine that um, this is, has brought the community closer together and there's, there's, a, there's a really good feeling around what you have achieved. I know there's still a long way to go in terms of the journey out there and, and, and the surgery that needs to be done. But this, this is an amazing thing for a community to do, isn't it? It's just, it's just unbelievable. I mean, when we first sort of started trying to get stuff done, we were going around town and local businesses and spreading the word with other people and we were you know explaining it and i had my phone to hand with the website up to show people so that this is who we're doing it for this is the story but within a couple of days you know most people had posters and flyers up and we were going in saying that we're, we're coming in to talk about this little boy alexander they go yeah no i've heard all about this and everybody knew about it you know within a few days we weren't having to explain it anymore we were just saying right what can we do what are you doing do you want a poster to stick up do you have you got a collection box and things and it just it is it has i mean the, <laughs> the phrase community spirit has been used i don't know how many times over the past week but it's absolutely true it's just incredible to see it is incredible kelly i appreciate your time for this morning for coming on and also the work that you put into this fantastic stuff kelly welsh from aylesbury part of the campaign to save alex fantastic news we'll be following uh, that story to see how things go but would you be more inclined to give money to a family rather than a charity charities are saying their donations are down by 20 percent and could raise more if they could show where the money is going oh eight four five nine four double five five double five when was the last time you gave to a charity or are you a little bit reluctant facebook.com forward slash bbc 3cr oh the bellamy brothers don't mind if i do
BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. Did you avoid getting the MMR jab for your kids because of the uh, supposed link with autism? And when was the last time you um, gave to charity? Very briefly, I mentioned watches. We're trying to find the person with the most watches. I have five. Steve's emailed in. I've got, uh, I've got 40 watches. 40? I worked in Southeast Asia for many years and regularly bought imitation watches as presents. I got to know one seller very well. He would sell me very good imitations for about £12.50. These same watches would cost tourists at least 50 quid. They're probably worth tuppence. They're still imitation watches, Steve. How many watches do you have, dear listener? I know, I know, but what can I tell you? Here's the travel with Alan. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, we're looking okay on the main routes and the uh, motorways with uh, no reports of any problems. Outskirts of uh, Milton Keynes at Tatano Street, we've got a load of cows which have escaped, currently being uh, rounded up around Woodhill Prison. Let's hope it's uh, just the cows that have escaped. But uh, no reports of any problems on the trains. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much for that, Alan. Let's, I'm tempted, but I won't. Let's get the latest news and sport with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 6.30. The headlines, health officials are starting a vaccination campaign to protect around a million children and teenagers from measles. Politicians and economists will learn later whether or not the UK economy has slipped into a third recession since the global financial crisis. And concerns are being raised about the safety of the Milton Keynes grid road system due to the number of fatal accidents at crossing points. Beds, hearts and bucks, sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's looking more and more like a Champions League final at Wembley next month will be an all-German affair after Borussia Dortmund beat Real Madrid 4-1 in their semi-final first leg. Polish striker Robert Lewandowski scored all four goals for the home side. It means that Dortmund are now big favourites to reach the final where they could face Bayern Munich, who beat Barcelona 4-0 on Tuesday. In tonight's Europa League ties, Chelsea play Basel and Fernabacher at home to Benfica. Luis Suarez will not play again this season and will miss the first six games of next season after the Liverpool striker was banned for ten matches for biting Chelsea's Branislav Ivanovic. Liverpool's managing director Ian Eyre says both the club and player are shocked and disappointed at the severity of the decision. Watford are preparing for their championship match at Leicester tomorrow night. The Hornets still have a small chance of claiming an automatic promotion place with two games to go, but they can't afford to lose and other results must go their way. Milton Keynes Dons held their Player of the Season award last night. Uh, Defender Sean Williams won both the Fans Award and the Players Award and he was clearly thrilled. Firstly, to get Players Player of the Year is... um Big achievement for myself, obviously training with the lads and that every day, so it's a, it's a great honour to receive that. And then from the fans, for the other one, um, it was even better, like it was just topped it off really. It was, uh, I know it was a disappointing season, but um, to come away with two awards wasn't too bad. Finally, rugby, the organisers of the European Heineken Cup say over 21,000 tickets have been sold for the semi-final between Saracens and Toulon, which is being played on Sunday at Twickenham. And that's the latest news and sport. More from me at 7 o'clock. Kath, yeah. just remembered. What? It's my wedding anniversary today. Oh, there's oh. still time to save it. Well, I, well, I was going to send a text. I thought, I can't no, do no, that. No, 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 no. So I'm going to send an email. Oh, how romantic. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up in the next 30 minutes, we'll be talking about those roads in Milton Keynes. Apparently, they are dangerous. Also, we're finding out... No, don't ask why. How many watches have you got and why... And did you um, hold back from giving your child or your children the MMR jab back in the 90s because you were concerned about the supposed links with autism? 08459 455 555 is the phone number. You can send me an email as well if you'd like. Ian.lee, I-A-I-N dot L-double-E at bbc.co.uk.
08459 455 555. Talking about the MMR, we're also talking about watches. I know, really, please, don't ask any questions. How many watches have you got, for goodness sakes? Um, And also, we're talking about the roads uh, in Milton Keynes. Apparently, some of them are dangerous. If you live in Milton Keynes, what do you think? Uh, Do do you think the crossover junctions are dangerous? 08459 455 555. Well, the safety of these crossover junctions on grid roads in Milton Keynes are being called into question after six deaths within ten years. There are dozens of crossovers in the new city. I know it's not a city, but that's what we say. I have to flag that up. Every time I call it a city, I get abuse. Mm. where motorists can get across dual carriageways. A coroner has now asked the council to consider reviewing the junctions. Well, 08459 455 555. What do you think? We've sent our reporter Jessica Cooper to Milton Keynes this morning. Morning, Jessica. Morning, Ian. Jessica, what's prompted the coroner to ask for the junctions to be looked at? Well, there was an inquest this week into the death of a well-known artist in Milton Keynes, Edna Reid. She was involved in an accident on the H9 Groveway when she crashed into a taxi and it seemed she was trying to cross the grid road to get to one of these crossover junctions in the middle of the dual carriageway. Um, That accident came down to basically driver error but it has put the spotlight on these crossover junctions. So the coroner said that he was going to make a rule 43 which is a rule that's made to try and prevent further deaths. He said he's going to ask the head of highways at Milton Keynes Council to consider whether there should be a review of these junctions. And we know that in the last 10 years there have been six deaths, 30 serious injuries and more than 200 slight injuries at these crossover junctions. So I've been getting the thoughts of people here in Milton Keynes. So how do you feel then about the safety of the, of the crossover points? If you live in Milton Keynes, I think they are quite safe because you get used to them. If you come from outside and you don't know much about them, it can be dangerous. Like when I moved to Milton Keynes eight years ago, it took me... Not a couple of weeks to get used to the speed of the grid system because I was driving normally a bit slow. It's a faster speed, so when you take a left and right, my judgment was slightly out. I think there's a very good idea maybe 10 years ago because the population of Milton Keynes the last 10 years has gone up so, so much. There's so much traffic, and what happens is the central point on the grid system it gets overcrowded with cars. The crossover the bit. Cro- the crossover bit gets overcrowded with cars and it is quite dangerous at times. Uh, I think they're dangerous, actually, because the, tra- the traffic is going far too fast on the left-hand side. It's sweeping round there without any sort of give way. And you're going across, you've gone across the roundabout and then all of a sudden you're joining this traffic and you're not actually going at the same speed. Yeah. So in my exactly. experience, they're quite dangerous, especially if you're not aware of them. Well, most people did say that they didn't want the crossovers to be closed completely, but maybe suggested that the slip lanes could be extended to make them safer. I'm in um, Thurston in Milton Keynes with local councillor Chris Williams, who campaigned for a crossover just close to where we are on the H8 to be closed. Um, Morning, Chris. Why did you want that crossover closed? Because uh, over a period of about two years, there were several deaths, uh, a dozen major accidents and many, many minor ones, and local residents were clamouring for something to be done. So we, so we started a campaign to get the junction closed, essentially. And it's been a few years since it was closed. Um, what have you noticed in that time? Uh, since that time, there have been no serious accidents and very few minor shunts, and these are usually where somebody turns left and doesn't judge the distance, uh, speed or the distance of oncoming traffic. Mm. Milton Keynes is quite unique in the sense that this grid road is designed to keep the traffic flowing and the traffic can drive at, at 
fairly high speeds. So if you close one of these, doesn't it have a knock-on impact on the roundabouts and the traffic elsewhere? Yes, there's no doubt it does. But you have to compare the inconvenience of having to drive slightly further to the next roundabout with the loss of life and the serious injuries that were caused when the right-hand turn was available to people. And it's not just this one that you've had concerns about. There's another one in Milton Keynes that you're currently in the process of trying to get closed. Yes, um, at Shenley Lodge. And there's been, uh, in the last year, nine very serious accidents. Uh, no, no deaths, I'm glad to say, but people were taken away in the air ambulance, for example, on two separate occasions. There is no doubt that it's very dangerous because uh, of the speed of oncoming traffic and people trying to turn right out of the estates. What will you be doing to get that one closed then? We have um, worked with the Parish Council and I have to say the Parish Council have been really good. They and myself have put in a joint bid for funding to look at how to reduce the speed, how to uh, basically reduce the accidents and if that means reconfiguring the junction then that's what we'll be asking for. Okay, thank you very much, Chris. Um, in case you were wondering, Ian, on a totally different topic, um, I'm told reliably from Chris that he is the owner of two watches. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, thank you very much indeed. I appreciate uh, you, you going above and indeed beyond. We are talking about watches this morning, partly because the Telegraph has been bought by watches. They've sold their backside to watches. There's a glossy pullout, uh, there's a paper pullout, and there's adverts everywhere. But it did get me thinking, how many watches do you have? I've got f- uh, four, five, I think. Four or five, I'm not sure. I didn't think. Some people hoard watches. They collect watches. They've got very expensive, valuable watches. For me, it's a functional thing that tells the time. I have a retro Casio calculator watch. Or, because I always wanted one as a child and could never afford one. Then suddenly I thought, hey, I'm an adult. I've got a bit of money. I can afford the, the £80 these things cost. Oh, they're eleven ninety-five now. I've had three in the last couple of years. I keep losing them. One, one ended up in the washing machine. I don't like that. How many watches have you got? Also, this morning, uh, we, uh, I'm going to be doing the papers, looking at the front page of the newspapers in about five, ten minutes. I need someone to do it with me. I need a helping hand to review the papers. If you uh, have always thought, you know what, that job that Ian Lee does is well easy. I can do that. Well, now's your chance. Come and have a go if you think you are hard enough. If you want to do the newspaper with, uh, review with me in about three or four minutes' time, you have to call in now. And this is going to be really popular, so I'd get your call in as quickly as you can. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. If you fancy doing the newspapers with me, give me a call now. This could be your big chance to break into radio. Who knows when I'm going to take another day off? June. You might want to come in. It will be June. You might want to come in and, and, and maybe you could even host the show. I can't guarantee that. It's very unlikely. But you never know. If they give Dealey the chance, they'll give anyone the chance. Here's the travel with Alan. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, the uh, main routes are looking okay. Just a uh, minor problem on the outskirts of Milton Keynes on uh, Tattenhoe Street. A load of uh, cows have escaped, currently being uh, rounded up around uh, Woodhill Prison. Uh, the M25 anti-clockwise, it's uh, just building up around uh, Junction 21, which is the M1. And a reminder, it's down to 50 through the roadworks between Junction 23, South Mims, and Junction 25, which is the A10. No reported problems on the trains. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alan. 
Right, 6.45, it's Thursday the 25th of April. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Health officials are starting a vaccination campaign to protect around a million children and teenagers in England from measles. Concerns are being raised about the safety of the Milton Keynes grid road system due to the number of fatal accidents at crossing points. In sport, Borussia Dortmund beat Real Madrid 4-1 in the first leg of the Champions League semi-finals. Let's get the latest weather now. Here's Elizabeth Rosini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Elizabeth, it's been pointed out to me, hello, yes, Yes. that you've just been on the telly. Yeah. Very fancy, well done you, things are looking up. Wearing, I've been told by my team, a low-cut top. A low-cut? I don't think so. Yellow dress... Lo- it's a yellow dress, With a yes. little, little bit lower than, you know, perhaps is, is acceptable at half past six in the morning. Oh, rubbish. I don't know what that... I don't know. Mm. I mean, apart from anything else, you can see nicely where the line is because I've got a nice little sunlight now. It's sort of a bit of a nice shade of lobster. Have you, have you been well, out? I'm going to have to check it now, aren't I? Yeah, well, no, well don't, don't get paranoid. It's only work experience, Ollie. He's got a dirty mind. He probably imagines oh, these okay. things. Let's have the weather, please, Elizabeth. All right, well, it's going to be another lovely day. Uh, possibly the warmest day of the year so far. We could see temperatures peak as high as uh, 22 or even 23 degrees Celsius, perhaps likely um, over somewhere over Hertfordshire, more than uh, more than the other two counties. But, um, yeah, another lovely day. Lots of warm spells of sunshine. There's a bit of mist out there to start things off with, but that should soon clear some cloud as well, some brightness and sunshine for the rest of the day light winds and top temperatures as i said into the 20s in celsius so all in all it's looking pretty gorgeous now and we might just see one or two isolated showers this afternoon but i think for the most part it will stay dry it's all going to finish tonight though we've got some thickening cloud by the time we get into the evening and then some outbreaks of rain as well but we should see a fine end to the day certainly for southern areas of those three counties we should see a nice fine end to the day and then turning wet overnight the rain clearing into tomorrow morning temperature Temperatures down to six or seven degrees Celsius overnight. Tomorrow, you'll really notice the difference. We are going to have lost around eight or nine degrees in some places. Sunshine and showers for the next few nights. Gardeners, you're going to have to get those plants in again because there are going to be some frosty nights too. There you go. That's Thank the forecast. Thank you, I'm Elizabeth. Check what I was wearing. Don't, well, no, don't get. No, no, don't. I've made you all paranoid now. Haven't you? You've got body conscious now because of me. Yes, indeed. Yes. I'm sure you looked stunning, Elizabeth. <laughs> 08459 455 555 Every weekday from 3, Roberto Peroni with the best local news stories. I get to meet a lot of really interesting people with the most amazing stories. We feel as if we haven't been taken notice of. Yesterday we heard that the bank had gone, but today it's still there. The cat got delivered up in Kabul. You should be back in the UK in two months. With the best local talking points. Do some of the bakers have flapjack fights? No, of course not, Roberto. Well, not in our shops. <laughs> Roberto Peroni, weekdays from 3. On BBC. BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is a telephone number if you want to give me uh, a call. Did you avoid getting the MMR done for your kids a few years ago because you were concerned about the uh, uh, links, the supposed links to autism? I'd like to hear from you. 08459 455 555. Dennis is in Dunstable. Dennis? Good morning. How many watches have you got? I should think about six. Why, why so many, sir? Well, various times, you know. It's like, like you, we look at... I, I actually, when I was abroad, I went to try and get one of those uh, calculator watches, but even even abroad, they were damned expensive. Yeah. They're, they're 11 95 now, Dennis. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. They're, they're yeah. good as well. You can do maths on it. Only very basic maths if you have a tiny yeah. finger. Yeah. 
No, I've got one, a mechanic, one that uh, winds up itself with the huge in your arm. The only trouble is you get fed up of wave- wanking your arm backwards what? and forwards to make uh, it work, you know. Of, of waving your arms backwards and forwards? Yeah, because there's, wet, there's a sole weight inside the watch, and as yeah. you swing your arm about, it okay. actually winds a watch Okay, up. Just, just, just to say, you did, I know, I know, Dennis, because I can hear clearly, you did say waving. Yes. But there are some people who may have misheard what you said, and for those people who may have misheard what you said, uh, sincere apologies, um, never our intention to offend, of course, but he did definitely say waving. I've, uh, uh, yes. Yeah, well, yeah, no, I said the other word. No, well, in that case, we've got to let you go, Dennis, for goodness sakes. <laughs> in that case, he did say the other word, and I apologise profusely for a- any offence that may have been caused for any bad words that may have slipped out. Shall we have a song? Then we'll have a little look at the front pages. If you want to do the front pages with me, 08459 455. 555 is the telephone number. I took the perfect avenue down the road to both of you. Did I go Dutch? This is too much. With all the money in the world, you could never buy this girl quite enough. It will be tough. If romancing me with neons is something you should do, make the letters bright and luminous and blue. And get me wake it up, shake it up, tangle up. You could be fake it up, make it up, tangle up. You can't be faking it, making it for my love. If all is tragedy, don't get me tangled up. I can't say. To me, you're acting like your twins. This is a mess. Is this a test? How many guesses do I get till only one of you is left? You're quite the same. If love's the game, I want to see emotions color in the sky to the point it will make me wanna cry and get me waking up.
again, apologies for any words that may or may not have slipped out during, uh, during that last little bit. Shall we have a quick look at the front page of the newspapers, shall we? Without any potty language at all. Uh, the Daily Telegraph, which has gone watch crazy. They've taken the watch bucks, kids. There's a, a, a glossy pullout about watches. There's a paper pullout about watches. And there's watches on, well, quite a lot of the, uh, the pages, including the front page, the Daily Telegraph. There's a storm coming, Mr Fish. Um, there's a picture of Michael Fish wearing, um, well, wearing a ridiculous uh, tank top and carrying an umbrella. I feel sorry for Michael Fish. Front page of the newspaper, first sentence. Michael Fish. The weather forecaster, who was accused of failing to predict the 1987 hurricane, got a soaking yesterday. Oh, for goodness sakes. That was, that was years ago. That was years ago. Give the man a break. Please. The story we're covering, million, uh, measles alert for a million families. More than one million families are being urged to immunise their children against measles. And GP, GPs blamed for crisis in out-of-hours healthcare. The failure of GPs to provide uh, proper out-of-hours care has forced millions of extra patients to attend hospital A&E. I was in A&E uh, on when, uh, Tuesday, so I wasn't here yesterday, with my little boy. It turns out, if you've got a three-year-old, they see you really quickly. Well, they, they see you initially really quickly, and then you're left waiting for six hours. But, but... They, they get you in pretty darn quick. Now, because of the Telegraph, we are talking about watches this morning. How many do you have? Well, Ruth Nathan is a watch valuer in Boreham Wood. Good morning, Ruth. Good morning to you. Ruth, how many watches do you have? Um, my personally, about six. Six? Why do you have so many? Because I love them. Why? They're just, they're just timepieces. They just tell the, the time. That's it. some beautiful pieces. I've got a beautiful watch with diamonds around, tiny diamonds around it. I love it. When did you first become interested in watches? My little boy, he's, got, he's three, he's got his first watch yesterday. He can't tell the time. We asked him what the time was yesterday. He said 7 o'clock and 10 o'clock, simultaneously. Well, well, well it's OK. It's, well, it's OK, but it's not very accurate. It was actually a quarter past five. Uh, <laughs> but when, when did you get your first watch? Um, when I was five. Five. My father was a watchmaker. Ah, I see. Now this maybe we're getting to the the, the bottom of this. And, and did you get to, did you get to look inside the watches that he was making? Yes, I did. See, that's where the magic is, isn't it? It is. It's actually they don't really. Some um, very rarely are watches made. Are watches put together in a factory with tiny pieces, and it's accurately put together. The first watches were really by Swiss watches, um, and it's it, it's a passion. You don't see anymore, do you, old men uh, with those um, uh, monocles hunched over in a workshop <laughs> fixed? No one fixes watches anymore, yes, do you they? you do, you do. Really? I, I have a fantastic watchmaker. Really? Yes, I do. And does, it, does, and it, does he make you custom watches? Um, no, he doesn't. Okay. He doesn't. He services watches. Uh, he does all the mechanical watches, the automatic watches. The automatic watches works with a weight. And it turns the wheels, and uh, especially, actually, little boys are very interested in watches and clocks. Yes, I remember being a little boy, and I remember taking several watches and several clocks apart, thinking, oh, it'd be easy to get this spring back in there. <laughs> yeah, you don't. It's flipping difficult. What's the most expensive watch you've got, Ruth? Mm, a Vacheron. Uh, pardon? A Vacheron Constanta. A Vacheron yeah. Constanta. Um, um, how much is that worth, if I may ask? Uh, probably about... Fifteen hundred pounds. Flipping heck, Ruth! <laughs> Are you not worried when you wear that though that that, that something might happen to it? You might As scratch you, it or bang it. 
No, I'm not worried about that. And I'm not worried about it being stolen because, as you can well hear, I'm South African. Oh, I see. So you've, what, <laughs> are you packing a piece? Have you got a Luger? What's... <laughs> not in England. No, no, but back home, maybe. <laughs> uh, what's, what do you, now, you're a watch valuer. What's, what's the most expensive watch that you've seen yourself in your professional capacity? Uh, probably a million US dollars at Piaget. Sorry, for a second I thought you said a million US dollars. I did. A million US dollars a Peugeot. A million US dollars? Yep. Why? Okay, listen, I've got a calculator watch. I begrudged paying 12 quid for it. Why would anyone spend a million dollars on a watch? (laughs) I suppose if you've got the money, you can spend it. What kind of person has that money? Was it Beyonce or something? No, it wasn't Beyonce. Okay, I'm, I assume you're not going to give me their name. It can't, <laughs> no, I'm not. Well done, you. Ruth, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate your time. You see, a million dollars for a watch. That's almost it's almost a million pounds. How many watches have you got, dear listener? It's one of these things that kind of intrigues me. We've got, and have you got watches that don't work? Just stuffed in drawers. You think, well, you never know. <laughs> Maybe one day... We should get Uri Geller on the phone. Uri Geller reckons he can make watches stop. and he make... I've seen Uri Geller do that thing where he fixes watches using his psychic powers. He is a massive bender of spoons. And I have seen him fix watches with his psychic powers. Can we get Uri Geller on this morning? Well, let's find Uri Geller. Tell him it's me. He'll, he'll come on. He spoke to my mum once. Right, let's get the travel news. Here's Alan Cowie. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, not looking uh, too bad on the roads. The uh, M25 is heavy in patches from uh, Junction 21, the M1 to Junction 19, Watford. That's on the anti-clockwise side. M1 and the uh, A1 seem to be uh, playing OK right now. Did have a, a call about half an hour ago from the uh, police saying that uh, Tassenhoe Street, outskirts of Milton Keynes, there were a load of uh, escaped cows being uh, rounded up, but haven't had a recent update uh, on that. Uh, the trains are looking uh, OK. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much for that indeed. 08459 455 555. Don't you worry, Alan. We are getting the latest on the cows live as it's happening. Lots coming up, including... Did you fail to get the MMR jab for your kids because you were worried about the alleged links to autism? Do give me a call. be nice to speak to you after the news with Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's seven o'clock. The headlines, measles outbreak sparks vaccination campaign, safety fears after Milton Keynes road deaths and Aylesbury boy set for life-saving surgery. BBC Three Counties Radio. Special steps are being taken to protect a million children and young people against the risk of catching measles. Following the epidemic in South Wales and a growing number of infections in England, vaccinations will be offered over the next six months, as Adam Brimelow reports. Across England, there were 587 confirmed measles cases in the first quarter of this year. The rate's highest among 10 to 16-year-olds. Health officials say that's a legacy of the fall in vaccination rates in the late 1990s and early 2000s, caused by discredited concerns over the safety of the MMR vaccine. The catch-up campaign will focus on this group, especially those who've had no vaccination, but it will also target those who haven't had their MMR booster, which ensures almost complete immunity. 
Politicians and economists will learn later whether or not the UK economy has slipped into a third recession since the global financial crisis. Most experts are predicting that the economy did manage a small amount of growth in the first three months of the year. The Prison Governors Association is claiming that the government's zero-tolerance policy on illegal drugs wastes money and creates victims of crime. It says a ban on Class A drugs allows criminals to control their supply and forces addicts to turn to crime to fuel their habit. The association has signed up to an international campaign challenging the traditional approach to drugs. Concerns are being raised about the safety of the Milton Keynes grid road system due to the number of fatal accidents at crossing points. The area's coroner is urging the council to review the situation. Jessica Cooper has the details. There are thought to be more than 50 crossover junctions in Milton Keynes where traffic can cut from one dual carriageway to another. In the last 10 years, there have been six deaths, 30 serious injuries and more than 200 slight injuries at these junctions. Following a number of serious accidents a few years ago, a crossover point at Thursden was closed. An Aylesbury seven-year-old will get the treatment he needs for a brain tumour thanks to the goodwill of people in the town. In just eight days, fundraisers have managed to collect over a quarter of a million pounds to send Alex Novakovic for proton therapy in the US. Family friend Dominic Smith said they've been overwhelmed by the response. Over the last eight days, we had 255,000 to raise to send Alex to America, which seemed impossible to begin with, but Aylesbury's just got behind it. The whole community's behind it, and it looks like now we're going to reach that target and Alex will be able to go and have life-saving treatment. In sport, Liverpool have until midday tomorrow to appeal against the 10-match ban given to Luis Suarez for biting Chelsea's Branislav Ivanovic in their match on Sunday. Suarez will not play again this season and will miss the first six games of next season. The weather, cloudy with sunny spells and a top temperature of 21 degrees Celsius, that's 70 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash threecounties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, it's a lovely day out there. It's bright as well when we come into work. I find that a little bit confusing. I'll get used to it, I'm sure. Lots coming up between now and eight, including a national measles vaccination programme is being rolled out across England. The number of cases of the disease has more than doubled since the last year. Did you fail to get the MMR jab for your kids because you were scared of potential side effects? People Power in Aylesbury has raised the money to send a seven-year-old boy to America for an operation, which his family hope will save him from a brain tumour. Are you more likely to give money to a specific cause, to, to, to one family or one person, instead of giving to charity? And our reporter, Jessica Cooper, will be live from Milton Keynes looking at the safety of the grid roads there. They are being questioned after six deaths within ten years. Lots of ways to get in touch, including facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr. You can send me an email, ian.lee, I-A-I-N dot L-double-E at bbc.co.uk. You can also give me a call, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. A national measles vaccination programme is being rolled out across England as figures reveal the number of cases has more than doubled since last year. It's targeting around a million children and teenagers who are born around the time that concern about the now discredited link between autism and the MMR vaccine was widespread. I'm joined now by Hertfordshire GP Mike Ingram. Good morning, Mike. 
And good morning, and you should say a very, Ian, just let me say before we start, a very angry GP, because we're about to be accused by Jeremy Hunt of neglecting the population and causing A&E to go in. So we're, the whole of the GPs uh, feel that this attack on us is totally unwarranted. Your patients will know they can get a GP out of ours, so I'm just going to get that anger no, off Mike, I tell you what, we, 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 no, I've seen that on the front page of the papers. We'll, we'll come to that at the end, if that's OK, because okay, that, that yeah, is an no interesting problem, story. I've got to get it off my chest so I can calm down and talk to you properly. <laughs> deep, deep breaths, Mike. Relax. Don't worry. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we're, we're on your side, Doctor. Now, have you seen more measles cases in this region? Uh, fortunately, no, not yet. Uh, it's very rare because we've got good vaccination coverage uh, nowadays amongst uh, the young kids that are coming through. It was really with the, the Wakefield uh, hoax that, that led to people to be scared of MMR, and those are the people who were vulnerable. The now, Mr. M- Mr. Wakefield the was the, Mr. Wakefield was the surgeon, I think, who said, uh, that, uh, whoa, hey, hang on, MMR equals autism. You're now calling it a hoax. I've not used that, heard that word used with it before. Well, because it, it was basically putting out a, a, a message to the public which was fundamentally untrue uh, and, and had no evidence to back it up. And I don't know how else you can describe something where someone's selling you something with no evidence to back it up. It, Why did, it, uh, how did he get this out? Why did he say this? Did he genuinely believe it? He, he actually did experiment on 12 children and, and applied what he observed in 12 children to the whole of mankind. Well, uh, that's a, and that was, in fact, then published by The Lancet, uh, which took up the, the story and got into the press, and the rest is history. So we're really in a situation where uh, we're suffering now from this uh, rather uh, well-publicised uh, story, if you like, that, that was actually put out there and understandably scared a lot of people because it's up for the, um, it's up to the scientific journals to judge uh, the experiments that are done and uh, not the public public readings in the papers they they get understandably nervous and, and they react to publicity and that's that's the basis of our present predicament there was uh, there, oh, oh, hysteria perhaps too strong a word but it was huge i remember questions being asked of tony blair in parliament about whether he'd given his children uh, the mmr some people mike I, i'm shocked to find out but i heard this uh, last week some people still think there is a link between the mmr and autism some people still think the world is flat. If you look on the internet, there's a flat earth society. Um, you, you know, people do have beliefs. Whether they're mainstream beliefs and whether they're backed by fact is another question. What are the symptoms of measles? How can people know if there's a problem? Uh, main things are conjunctivitis, uh, a red eye with a cough at the early stages, and then you get a sort of blotchy rash. But mostly a, a child is very ill with measles, high fever, and really quite listless and unwell. And we heard um, last week about a gentleman who uh, I think died through measles. He was in his 20s. It, it can be fatal and it can affect old, older people, not just kids. Yes, I mean, the, the history is, of course, that, that uh, older generation will have been exposed to measles as children because measles was highly infectious. And before vaccination, it was almost a rite of passage. Everybody got measles. When the vaccine came out, that reduced it. And with the MMR being very effective, that almost died away before we had uh, the Wakefield scare. And so um, people who are older will have natural immunity. It's really those who didn't have the MMR during that time of the anxiety about MMR and autism that, uh, that uh, are the most vulnerable. Who should get the, the vaccine or the booster and how should they get it? Where should they go? Anybody who has not had two doses of MMR, uh, and that's, that's at the moment you, you, you will get those uh, between sort of around about the first dose, around about a year, second dose, around about four years. Anybody who, who has not had those two doses uh, should go and get their GP so they can catch up 
and get to make sure they have had that double protection with two MMR jabs. And do we have and enough? Really is, do we have enough of the, the jabs, Mike? Yes, uh, there is enough. It's been stockpiled. It, the government has made sure there are plenty of MMR jabs around, and uh, GPs are gearing up to deliver this catch-up program. The main target is 10 to 16-year-olds because they're the ones judged to be most at risk because of the timing of their MMR being due to when the, uh, the reaction of the public was at its height against the jab. Now, Mike, the, you've, you've raised this up. The, the front page of The Telegraph, yeah. let me just read this for our listeners who are unaware. GPs, that's you, blamed yeah. for crisis in out-of-hours healthcare. The failure of GPs to provide proper out-of-hours care has forced millions of extra patients to attend hospitals, accident and emergency departments uh, where they do not get the medicines, checks or support they need. The health secretary will warn today. Jeremy Hunt will say disastrous changes to GPs working hours have led to an extra 4 million people attending hospitals annually. What have you got to say for yourself, Doctor? Well, there's probably one word of truth in there, but not that. It, it is totally unfounded. First of all, we know that the disastrous introduction of NHS 111, uh, which, has put, which has happened over the last few weeks, that is, has over-casualties. And I've been speaking to hospital doctors who said since the government's quite mad introduction of NHS 111 came in, accidents and emergencies have been totally flooded. And of course Jeremy Hunt doesn't want to address that so what does he do? He deflects the blame onto the Labour Party and onto GPs. Uh, your, your listeners are far too intelligent to, to fall for that immediate, you, uh, for that bit of political gaming. It, it's quite understandable why he's doing that. GPs out of, don't provide out-of-hour service. Out-of-hour services are provided by the local PCTs and that's why luckily in Hertfordshire we've got an excellent out-of-hour service called Hearts Urgent Care who run the system very well who are Hertfordshire GPs looking after people all hours of the day. In other areas of the country uh, people are just not bothered spending the money to provide a decent out-of-hour service so if you pay if you pay peanuts you get monkeys if you, if you don't fund something profit properly you got you get bad care that's always the case and uh, all I can say to you is that all my GP co colleagues who are working hard out of hours are furious. I even heard of one GP who was sitting there and this patient started moaning at, at him that there's no GPs out of hours service. And he said to the patient, well, I'm a GP. It's out of hours. You're here with me. What on earth are you talking about? So we've got a situation that this is a purely political attack on GPs to divert attention from the failures the government failures in a totally messed up introduction of NHS 111 and a totally messed up and underfunded uh, system for out-of-hours care. And that's why I'm angry, because it's trying to drag GPs through the mud for something that's the government's fault. Ah, I feel better. You feel, you feel better now, Mike? Got it off your Absolutely. chest? Has Thank you for making me feel better this morning. <laughs> it's my pleasure. It's a very quickly, Mike, before we go, Jane has just called in. Jane, you, uh, in Milton Keynes, you wanted to ask the doctor something. Hi, good morning, yes. Go on. I wondered if uh, the take-up for the MMR jab would have been higher had it been given in single jabs. Mike? Uh, well, yeah, two, two things. One is no-one's ever proven the single jabs. All the research has been done on MMR, which shows it's 100% safe. And we know that giving single jabs uh, gives you a worse take-up because you have to keep taking the kid back. You're more likely to have reactions. You're having six needles put in, and, and each one's got a hard chance of reaction. And there's no research showing it's safe. We know that MMR is 100% safe. No one showed that the single jabs are safe. Jane, it's 100% safe. I just wonder if people would have gone for measles 
if they'd have could have had it in a single jab that was that was my question jane thank you very much dr mike ingram i appreciate your time and uh, well done for for your rant there dr mike ingram um not a fan of the 111 service we, we've talked about that before no doubt we'll uh, we'll dwell on that again well did you uh, hold off giving your kids the mmr jab because of of the worry the link with autism that was um was very popular but it turns out it was a load of nonsense dr mike ingram there saying the MMR is 100% safe. Ellie's in St Albans. Morning, Ellie. Morning, Ian. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Have your kids had the MMR? Absolutely, of course they have. Why would I not immunise my child against potentially fatal diseases? Were you, have. Were you not concerned at all about the, the rumours of, of links to autism? Well, the clues in the word rumours, that's all it was. If you did your research, there was very little evidence, and actually it turns out there was no evidence whatsoever. So, no, I wasn't concerned about that. I'd be more concerned if my children got ill from measles Mumps and rubella, although they're not fatal, potentially they could be. I don't want to see my child suffer. Well, you know, there are some parents that still, not many, not many, but there are some parents who still don't want to have the MMR because they're concerned about what might happen. Well, where's the evidence? It was proved to be wrong. That that research, that totally nonsensical research that was done, it's proved not to be true. There is no link between autism and MMR. And if parents want to go online and Google what can happen to their child when they've got measles, mumps or rubella, let them Google that instead of Googling autism. There is no link whatsoever. It's irresponsible parenting, in my opinion, not getting your children vaccinised. And, and speak to people... Parents in the third world who have no access to vaccinations, I'm sure they'd agree. Elite in St Albans, I appreciate that. Sorry to cut you off, we've just uh, got to move on a little bit. But thank you very much indeed. Well, irresponsible parenting if you don't get your kids immunised. Did you not get your kids immunised? Are you an irresponsible parent? Or are you one of these people that still... I heard someone on the radio the other day on Five Live saying, well, no, hang on a second, I've seen it happen. I saw two kids get the MMR jab and immediately they changed... And became autistic. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Do you still think that there is uh, a link between autism and the MMR jab? and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, before we get our regular travel, we've been hearing reports of cows roaming the streets of Milton Keynes. Well, Jess Cooper is on Tottenham Street. Jess, where are you exactly and what's happening? Hi, Ian. Yes, I've been on the lookout for these cows this morning and I can tell you that they are now apparently back in a field behind Woodhill Prison. I pulled up in front of the prison, spoke to a few prison officers who'd been called out to the front to look for these cows and they reassured me that there's no longer risk to the public, to any traffic delays. The cows are back in the field. And can we verify, Jess, are all the prisoners in Chokey? <laughs> I think the prisoners are where they should be. Excellent. Um, they didn't seem concerned. OK, excellent. <laughs> Jess, thank you very much indeed. Well, let's get the rest of the travel news now. Here's Alan Cowie. Yeah, the main route's uh, looking OK, actually. Just a bit slow on the anti-clockwise M25 in patches from Junction 21, the M1, and Junction 19 at uh, Watford, and heavy as well from 17 Maple Cross to 16, which is the M40. A1 and the uh, M1 looking uh, OK. No reports of any accidents or problems. We've got a good service on all train lines as well. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alan, thanks very much. Morning, 7.16. Thursday the 25th of April, I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Special steps are being taken to protect a million children and young people in England against the risk of catching measles. The Milton Keynes coroner is urging the council to reassess the safety of the Milton Keynes grid road system after six deaths at crossing points over the past ten years. In sport, Liverpool have until midday tomorrow to appeal against the 10-match ban given to Luis Suarez for biting Chelsea's Branislav Ivanovic in their match on Sunday. <sighs> Sorry, there's a fly floating around my, mac- my microphone. It's very off-putting. Go away, naughty fly. Shoe fly, don't bother me. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Cloudy with sunny spells and a top temperature of 21 degrees. Coming up, People Power in Aylesbury has raised the money to send a seven-year-old boy to America for an operation, which his family hope will save him from a brain tumour. We'll hear more before seven. BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday between 12 and 3, I'm here with a little bit of celebrity. I've always loved being a comedian because it's my job, so I'm going to keep doing that. I was voted Japan's number one male vocalist of the year, and I beat out Frank Sinatra. How's that? (laughs) Expert advice. It does sound like it's a mechanical pain brought on by altered mechanics in your upper limb. Your capital's protected because I'm guessing what you don't want to do is take any risks with the capital itself. And loads of really great music. Nick Coffer, weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Now, charity donations fell by a fifth in the year 2011 to 2012. That's according to the latest figures. There were fewer people giving money to worthy causes and the amounts they contributed also fell. Well, these were the findings of a report by the Charities Aid Foundation and the National Council for Voluntary Organisations based on a survey of more than 3,000 people. But some modern ways of charitable fundraising appear to be more successful. We've been hearing this morning how the Aylesbury community managed to raise the £255,000 needed to send seven-year-old Alex Novakovic to the United States for an operation, which his family hope will save him from a brain tuner. Well, we'll hear from the Charities Aid Foundation shortly. But if you've changed your charity habits, the amount you give, maybe you've cancelled your direct debits or maybe you're giving to fewer charities, 08459 455 555. Well, our reporter, Sophie Solaria, has been hearing how the community of Aylesbury rallied together. Thank you very much. Thank you ever so much. Uh, my name's Dominic Smith um, and I'm a, a fellow dad from Bedgrove Infant School um, where Alex was a pupil and we've just been raising awareness really for the cause so trying to get as much money as possible. Over the last eight days we had 255000 to raise to send Alex to America for proton treatment which seems impossible to begin with but Aylesbury's just got behind it the whole community's behind it and it looks like now we're going to reach that target and Alex will be able to go and have life-saving treatment Give me some examples of how Aylesbury's got behind Alex's campaign In so, so many ways, I mean parents have took time off work we were going to raise funds and have a ball we've actually got the ball without spending a penny, everybody's given to it you know all the local companies we needed perforated tickets to sell for a raffle someone donated tickets for top gear live show i mean which are like gold dust i'm told this is one of those situations where a community just rallies together and surprises it's incredible you know people have signs on fences every shop you go to in gentle square people are doing something Tell me a little bit about Alex's condition. You know, he's, he's very, very poorly. He's, he's got to get to America. 
and the sooner he gets there the better. What does he need doing? He's having proton therapy which is <laughs> I find it hard talking about this like I can't tell you how emotional it is. It's incredible. Do you think people are quicker to give to one cause as opposed to a big charity? My, my only answer to that, like from what I see, is you wouldn't get the response in London this quickly as we have in Aylesbury. There's so many families here. It's so family-orientated. And the thing is, people can relate to it. You know, Everybody knows a little seven-year-old boy or girl. And just sadly, like in Alex's case, he's very, very ill. I'm Kevin Stenson. So, Kevin, you're one of the people that are collecting with buckets. Can you just tell me about how much money you've collected in the last half an hour? We've been here, and just looking at it, we're probably up to... 150 probably in there I should think by the time it's all counted out oh my goodness so we've got piles of £10 notes we've got £2 coins that's not your average collection is it it's just amazingly touching it's uh, humbling I just want to take you up to the top of town where a local estate agent has done done an amazing thing well you've never seen anything like it I'm with Lara Lara you, you work here at Hartwells yeah. and you made the decision to change the window display from being the houses that you're selling to being posters for the charity. Yeah, I just I thought it was the least we could do. Um, and obviously it's in in Buckingham Street, so it's the town centre, so it gets everyone's attention. Um, might just remind people to donate. People can that's not heard about it will see it, stop and question. Um, and my boss has also decided that anything that goes into the heart will pop this week. Uh, by Friday at the end of the week, he will match and double. This is a really big, bold thing to do, considering that you're a business. That's yeah, I think it's probably because we're a small, um, sort of local business, and we're a family business. I can't even describe what it what's going on in Aylesbury at the moment. I mean, any time you look on on the on the on the computer, anything sort of Twitter and Facebook, all my newsfeed is just Alex, Alex, Alex. I hardly see anything. That's all I've seen all week. Well, that's a successful story in Aylesbury, where over a quarter of a million pounds was raised for Alex. But as I said, charity donations fell by a fifth last year. We can speak now to Fiona McAvoy, who's the campaigns manager for Charities Aid Foundation. Morning, Fiona. Oh, sorry, Fiona, you're there. I had the wrong fader down. Good morning. (laughs) Morning. Now, how worrying is it for charities that traditional donations and fundraising methods appear to be less successful than they were? It is worrying. We've actually launched a campaign called Back Britain's Charities, which I would urge uh, your listeners to sign up to, because we are concerned that charitable donations are down. Um, At the same time, a lot of charities are seeing their funding cut from local government, and also just by the very nature of uh, the economic situation we're in, actually demand for the services that charities provide um, is on the increase. So they're really struggling, and we're worried that lots of charities are going to go to the wall. Really, charities, some charities could actually close down because of, of, of the lack of government and public funding. Yeah, absolutely. And this is individual donations as well. I must stress that, that individual donations from, from ordinary people have gone down 20%. Uh, we can sort of understand why. But, but it's a fact that we surveyed um, charity chief executives and senior workers, and one in six of them said they might have to close within the next six months. So we're looking at an urgent situation here, really. It's understandable, isn't it, why public donations have, um, uh, have kind of slowed down a bit, because everyone's bit tight on money at the moment aren't they absolutely and it's very difficult for charities to sort of urge people to give more money when they know that ordinary people ordinary families are suffering themselves so it's a case of we're asking people to give regularly if they give just so charities can plan uh, and they can make allowances for things that might happen in the future 
Is the way we give to charity changing? Because we heard Alex's story there, and in a week, the local community raised about a quarter of a million pounds. Are people more likely to give if it's to a specific family or a specific person as opposed to a a bigger organisation? Well, people give in all sorts of different ways. We've got 160,000 charities in this country doing 160,000 different things. Um, And it's just fantastic. I mean, Britain is one of the most generous countries in the world. And people tend to dig deep, particularly when it's an incredible story um, like the one you just rolled. But, um, you know, people are also giving in different ways. And it's really important that that anybody who wants to raise money adapts. You know, people are giving money um, online. They're giving by text. Um, There are campaigns running on Twitter and Facebook. So anybody who needs to raise money for a good cause really needs to evolve and change the way that they do it. Oh, I'm always, I'm always getting emails uh, and tweets from people saying, hey, I'm running a marathon. You can yeah. um, go to, not, not Kickstarter, whatever those, those um, charity uh, websites are where you can just sign mm-hmm. up and give a few quid. Uh, and they seem to really have taken off in the past couple of years, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, they're phenomenal. And I think we all do it. Like you say, we've all got friends who are raising money, running marathons and all the rest of it. Uh, and it's a great, really quick and easy way, actually, of, of donating money to charity. But back Britain's charities campaign, that, that's starting now. What are you hoping to, to achieve with that? Um, we want to draw attention to the fact, this issue that I told you about, the fact that charities are really struggling. And actually, I don't think many people realise this. Uh, and, it, and it's quite an urgent thing. So we're asking the government and businesses and the general public to really stand shoulder to shoulder with charities in the UK uh, and draw attention to this issue. That might be um, people volunteering. It might be people giving more money. It might just be people telling their friends and others who might be able in, in a position to do that. But, um, yeah, we've got lots of asks. And I urge people to go to the website, www.backbritainscharities.org.uk. It's free to sign up. And we really need to add your voice to the throng. Fiona, thank you very much indeed. Fiona McAvoy, uh, Campaigns Manager for the Charities Aid Foundation. Uh, well, Paul from Leighton Buzzard has uh, heard the story about uh, young Alex. A quarter of a million pounds was raised in a week. Paul, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? It is, Ian. And what I'm bound to, you know, what I'm going to want, want to say and uh, is uh, I just want to say, preempt by saying I'm in no way decrying the marvellous community effort for Alex. But, but 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 I have like if you like a more personal situation as well, and as much as my daughter, who's thirty six, has uh, three children, has got an inoperable brain tumour, um, and there are thousands and thousands of people each year under the age of forty diagnosed with brain tumour, with brain tumours. Um, there is another young lady in. Uh, Leighton Buzzard uh, with two, you know, two children. It's a similar situation. Um, and what I'm saying is, really, is what that previous speaker you had on. Um, you know, while, as I say, I applaud the, the effort and uh, all what the people of Aylesbury have done, could I just pose a question? Would that 250,000 be better spent in the UK on, you know, researching tumours in the UK. Um, you know, because not everybody is can afford um, or, you know, or have the ability to raise that kind of money to send their loved ones to America. Um, 
so you know i'm just posing the question and i don't want the people in you know in hellsbury to feel that i'm having a go at that but i'm not you can understand can't you why they raise that money for that little boy i can absolutely Um, absolutely uh paul can i ask you you you, when was your daughter diagnosed with this this inoperable brain tumor well it's a rather long story but it's been going on would you believe well uh first problem started seven nine years ago but it was only the last two years that it was a diagnosed and this is another problem that the you know brain tumor people are trying to get the message across that doctors are taking far too long diagnosing brain tumors but that's but two years ago is effectively when her treatment started and And you say it's inoperable is there any hope of getting rid of it with other treatments no so I've been told them that she's under the care of the Churchill in Oxford, which are marvellous. Yeah. I can't speak, so, you know, too highly of them. Um, you know, they're there for her. And uh, and I have to say now she is receiving tremendous backup from her local surgery, um, which, you know, but I mean... It took uh, a while no. to get there. Paul, can I ask, what, what's, what's the prognosis for your daughter? What, what's going to happen? Well, um you sort of take it really uh, in day by day um you you have to um you live in the hope that something will come along um but um the fact that it's inoperable and the fact that you know she's had the radiotherapy and uh, uh and the chemo um and uh although the tumor shrank uh sh- shrunk a little um you know you wait x you know sort of that's every three months she has the mri scan and uh you just hope keep your fingers crossed that um you know it's still uh stable paul can i can i ask a question if this is too personal then then tell me to jog on and mind my own business have they given her um a, a length of time she can expect to live um it's 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 uncertain right i mean they what they tell you is that uh um some people can you know seven nine years some have been as long as 12 years um but nothing is couched in certainty no paul i really appreciate your time this morning and best of luck to you and your daughter cheers thank you very much indeed Right, a little bit later than usual, 7.31. Here's the travel news now, Alan Cowie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, things starting to build up, but nothing significant. The uh, M1 southbound short delays, 10 to 15 minutes between Junction 11, that's Dunstable, and Junction 9 at Redbourne. The M25 anti-clockwise, there are delays in patches from Junction 17 at Maple Cross to Junction 16, the M40, and also from 21A at St Albans to 19 at Watford. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alan, thanks very much. 7.31, let's get the news and sport now. Here's Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
Good morning. The headline special steps are being taken to protect a million children and young people in England against the risk of catching measles. Politicians and economists will learn this morning whether or not the UK economy has slipped into a third recession since the global financial crisis. And the Milton Keynes coroner is urging the council to reassess the safety of the grid road system after six deaths at crossing points over the past 10 years. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. For the second successive night in the Champions League, it was the Germans who came out on top, thrashing another of Spain's top club sides. Real Madrid were beaten 4-1 at Borussia Dortmund, all four goals scored by Robert Lewandowski. It comes a night after Barcelona were thumped 4-0 at Bayern Munich. In tonight's Europa League ties, Chelsea play Basel and Fernabacher are home to Benfica. Liverpool have until midday tomorrow to appeal against the 10-match ban handed to Luis Suarez for biting Chelsea's Branislav Ivanovic in their match on Sunday. Suarez is set to be suspended until October. Watford are preparing for their championship match at Leicester tomorrow night. The Hornets still have a small chance of claiming an automatic promotion place with two games to go, but they can't afford to lose and other results have to go their way. Midfielder Nathaniel Chalabar says they can only focus on themselves. We've still got to keep working and hopefully if results go our way and we produce on Friday, then you never know what could happen. But, you know, the championship, you can never tell, you know. You know, we've just got to keep, keep trying to work on ourselves and focus on ourselves, but hopefully we keep going on. MK Dons held their Player of the Season awards last night. Defender Sean Williams won both the Fans Award and the Players Award. Adam Chickson won Young Player of the Season and Stephen Gleeson won Goal of the Season for his effort against Wimbledon. In rugby, the organisers of the European Heineken Cup say over 21,000 tickets have been sold for the semi-final between Saracens and Toulon, which is being played on Sunday at Twickenham. And finally, at the World Snooker Championship, world number one Mark Selby completed a 10-4 victory over debutant Matthew Sell that sets up a second-round match with Barry Hawkins. Elsewhere at the Crucible, Marco Fu beat Matthew Stevens 10-7. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at 8 o'clock. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. A national measles vaccination programme is being rolled out across England. The number of cases has more than doubled since last year. Well, did you fail to get the MMR jab for your children because you were scared of potential side effects? There's no link between MMR and autism, OK? We had a doctor on, local doctor, said it's the MMR is 100% safe. And then Fifi says, I'm not sure, this is on Facebook, I'm not sure if the link is truly discredited. I still have my doubts. She then goes on to say, have you seen the episode of The X-Files where they say the immunisation programme was a way of chipping the community and tracking them? I don't think that's happening, Fifi. But Fifi, to clarify, are you suggesting that, that there is still a link between MMR and autism? Does anyone actually believe that? 08459 455 555. And next week, voters in Buckinghamshire and Hertfordshire go to the polls to elect their county councils. All seats are up for election. It could see big changes to the political landscape. We'll get the latest with my uh, favourite man in politics, Paul Scoynes. Very big in the coffee world as well, I'm led to believe. 08459 455 555. Concerns are being raised about the safety of crossover junctions on the grid roads in Milton Keynes after six deaths within ten years. A coroner has now asked the council to consider reviewing the junctions. He was speaking at the inquest of Edna Reid, who died following a crash on the H9 last year after appearing to try and get to a crossover. Claire Aguchi is Edna's daughter. My personal opinion is that they are quite confusing, quite dangerous, um, and I'm sure that had they not been there on the day that my mother had her accident, it wouldn't have happened. She wouldn't have been trying to 
across to the other side. She would have gone straight on to the roundabout and turned back. So I hope that some good comes of a bad situation. Well, during the accident last year, Edna's car crashed into a taxi. Ralph uh, Maynolfi was driving that taxi. Morning, Ralph. Morning. Ralph, what, what happened? What do you remember from that day? Um, well, um, I was actually coming um, down the, H- the H9, which is Groveway. It, it goes from a single into a double, double road. Uh, I was on the outside lane, and as I was coming up, I see Edna Reed actually turning into Old Groveway and then done a manoeuvre, like a U-turn, to try and get to the, the cross-reservation. And unfortunately, she done it into the path of my car. And, I mean, I hit her side on. Well, my front end of the car hit her side. Um, yeah, and that was it, really. Um, and what, what Claire's just said then, um, I personally believe what, what she said is true. If that wasn't there, it wouldn't have happened. I've been in car crashes. They're flipping horrible. The noise is the thing that gets me. That that sound of metal on metal is incredible. Yeah, it, I, I've it, been luck- It must have been horrible. It, 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 I replay it over and over and over again. It's just one of those things that just doesn't leave your mind. I've been lucky that in all the few crashes I've had, people have been able to get up and, and, and walk away. Edna, of course, uh, passed away as yeah. a result of this crash. Yeah. How did... How does that make you feel having been involved in something like that? I'm not saying in any way it's saying it's your fault, not in the slightest, but, but being involved in a fatal car collision, how does that make you feel? It, it's, uh, um, it's just one of those things that plays on your mind every day. Uh, unfortunately, like, you know, like you said, I mean, she lost her life. I mean, I was lucky to get away, you know, with just, you know, uh, bad back and neck. Um, but it's, it's a horrible thing that you have to carry with you, even though it wasn't my fault. It's, I mean, my car struck her car, which ended her life. And no, I mean, I, I, I think about it every day. It just doesn't stop, you know. Even when I'm driving on the roads, I'm very, very wary now of people at the crossroads or at side turnings, you know. So it, it has made me more aware now than before. And how does it work? We just heard there from, from Claire, Edna's daughter. Did, did, have you, did you speak to the family? I, I actually did speak to Claire, and um, it, it is a, a weight off my shoulders because, I mean, obviously she, she did say that she didn't blame me whatsoever. Yeah. And that... That must have been a relief. It, and it, it was a big relief because, I mean, obviously, because I've not met her before, I mean, I didn't know how they felt or, you know, did they blame me, you know, so it was such a relief when she did say, you know, please do not blame yourself, you know, so that that is a, a weight lifted off my shoulders but I still have that guilt that it happened mm. I mean it, you know I, I do um, how can I put it I replay it over and over again in my mind thinking what could have I done what could have I done but it, at the time there, there was just nothing I can do you know I mean if I could have avoided her obviously I would have done you know but it's just something that I'm going to have to live with now and you know I mean unfortunately life goes on and I've just got to get on with it the best I can now. Ralph, you're, you're a taxi driver in yeah. Milton Keynes. Did it take you long to get back in the car? I mean, it's your job, so I guess you kind of had to I, get back in the car. It, to be fair, when I actually... Um, I was off for about three weeks. Um, when I actually did go and pick up the hire car, um, by the time I actually drove it home, I did say to my partner that I didn't want to drive anymore because I was an absolute nervous wreck. I really was. But 
because it's my job, I slowly, slowly, I had to get back behind that wheel. Mm. But if I had my way, I wouldn't have done. Let's talk about these junctions now. How, how, what kind of behaviour do you see on there? How do people use these junctions? Um, I mean, to be fair, uh, there are some that are more dangerous than others. Um, I mean, if, if you're coming out of an estate and you need to go right, you have to cross uh, one dual carriageway, go into the middle part, and then turn right onto the next dual carriageway. So not only have you got a fight with the traffic coming to your right, then also got a fight from the traffic coming from your left. But it's the speed of the cars as well, because these roads are built to do between 60 and 70 miles an hour. And it's the speed of the cars as well that you have to judge. And I mean, I've done it, and I'm sure there's thousands of others that have actually taken risks just to try and get onto these roads. What can the council do to improve safety? Well, uh, me personally, either um, make it so you can only turn left. So if you need to go right, you can only turn left, go to the next roundabout and, you know, come up, back up yourself, if you know what I mean. Mm. Uh, or reduce the speed. I mean, the spe- it, it's, it's the speed of the cars as well. I mean, it, it, that's what you've got to uh, put up with, it, you know. It, I mean, not only have you got two lanes of traffic coming towards you, it's the actual speed of the cars as well. Ralph, I really appreciate your time this morning. Thanks very much for coming on. That's uh, Ralph Mainolfi, who was uh, involved in an accident last year that uh, resulted in the death of uh, Edna Reid. Call 08459 455555. 08459-455-555-BBC-three-counties-radio-so-MMR-on-the-front-page-of-a-lot-of-the-newspapers-today-measles-alert-from-a-million-families-did-you-avoid-giving-your-children-the-MMR-because-you-believe-the-reports-that-
Morning. Uh, people who don't give their, their kids the MMR because they're, they're concerned about uh, the links with autism that don't exist, what, what do you think about them? Well, I, I personally think they're a little bit selfish. And not only are they putting their own children at risk, they're putting other people's children at risk as well. Children that have ha- had the MMR jab and then develop leukaemia lose their um, immunity to um, measles, mumps and rubella because of the treatment they have for the leukaemia. Of course, then if there is an outbreak in the community of, um, of any of those diseases, mm. those children are uh, extremely vulnerable. And, and other children that have got um, autoimmune diseases. You're speaking as though you have personal experience of this. Um, well, only from the fact that I'm on the anti-Nolan bone marrow register and I donated bone marrow to a leukaemia sufferer a number of years ago. And I'm, I know that the, when they're in that situation and they've had... Um, the treatment to, to sort of kill their own bone marrow, they're extremely vulnerable to diseases, so, and children even more so. So, you know, these people that haven't had the MMR, that's their choice for their children, but they, they have put other people's children at risk as well. Mark, can I ask a question of something I've always wanted to ask someone who's donated bone marrow? Does it hurt when you give it? Um, well, there's, there's two ways that you can actually donate the bone marrow. There's a, you can um, just have some cells taken from your blood or you can have the operation to take it from your, your actual bone marrow. I had the operation done and other than having a, a bit of a sore back for a, for a week, didn't hurt at all. Mark, thank you very much indeed. I wait four five nine four double five five double five. Right, quarter to eight. Let's get the travel news, shall we? Here's Alan. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah, not a huge amount to report. We've just got uh, short delays on the M1 southbound between Junction 11, Dunstable, and Junction 10 at uh, Luton. And anti-clockwise, uh, M25, there are delays in patches from Junction 21, the M1, to 19, Watford, and then again from 17, Maple Cross, round to 16, the M40, so towards uh, Heathrow. And the A1 uh, southbound, short delays between Eaton Soken and the Black Cat roundabout at Roxton. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Alan. I'm just because I've had the strangest sentence ever said in my ear. Kelly Betts is producing today. Kelly, just tell the listener what you what you just said to me then, please. Can you tweet Uri Geller? There we go, ladies and gentlemen. Can I tweet Uri Geller? Yes, I'll, I'll certainly have a go. If we're, we're trying to get hold of Uri Geller because I want him to fix a watch live on the air using his psychic powers. As I said before, Uri Geller is one of the world's biggest benders of spoons and um it really he, he, i've seen him fix a watch with his mind he fixes watches with his mind so if you if we want to get hold of geller to get him on the show and fix a watch i'm using my psychic powers to fix a watch and bend a spoon and stop big ben and get uri geller to form me up so we're trying to get hold of uri geller that's uh, that's the main headline this morning apart from that 7:47, it's thursday the 25th of april these are your headlines on bbc three counties radio special steps are being taken to protect a million children and young people in england against the risk of catching measles politicians and economists will learn this morning whether or not the uk economy has slipped into a third recession since the global financial crisis The Milton Keynes coroner is urging the council to reassess the safety of the area's grid road system after six deaths at crossing points over the past ten years. Coming up next week, voters in Buckinghamshire and Hertfordshire go to the polls to elect their county councils. All seats are up for election. Could see the big changes, uh, huge changes to the political landscape. We'll get the latest with Paul Scorn shortly, but now let's get the weather. Oh, let's get the weather. 
There we go, with Elizabeth Rosine. It's Hearts and Bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. A very good morning to you today. Could be the warmest day of the year so far, but do make the most of it. Try and get out and enjoy the sunshine because I don't think it's going to last into tomorrow. So lots of sunshine developing. It's been a bit misty to start the day. There's been a bit of cloud around as well, but lots of sunshine now. And that's going to last for the rest of the morning and into the afternoon too. Now we're looking at temperatures up to 19 or 20 degrees Celsius in Luton, in Stevenage, in Milton Keynes and in High Wycombe too. That's 68 in Fahrenheit. But some areas across Hertfordshire, I think in particular, we we may well get as high as 22 or 23 degrees Celsius, which is 73 in Fahrenheit. That would be very nice, wouldn't it? Light winds. So a gorgeous day today. Clouding over, I think, into the late evening just before the sun goes down. And then this cloud is going to thicken overnight. We'll see outbreaks of rain. It'll turn wet overnight. A system pushing in from the northwest is a cold front. So, of course, it doesn't spell exactly uh, good news for tomorrow. The, uh, the air is going to be much colder behind it, but it should be bright and dry as well for the most part with um, the the chance of one or two sharp showers getting going through the afternoon. Um, but overnight tonight, turning wet then, lows of six or seven degrees Celsius. Sunshine and showers tomorrow. A northerly wind feeling an awful lot cooler too, with highs of only 12 or 13 degrees. So we'll have lost a good 10 degrees Celsius over the next day or so. So turning much cooler. Some frosty nights too, heading our way over the course of the weekend. That's the weather. Next month, voters in Buckinghamshire go to the polls to elect their county councils. And BBC Three Counties Radio is holding a series of debates with the leaders of the parties hoping to get your vote. We'll discuss the key issues affecting residents and get answers from the leaders. And we want you to be involved. This afternoon, join Roberto Peroni in Aylesbury at the St Mary the Virgin Church for a question time debate all about Buckinghamshire. For more information, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash bbc3cr. Come along, have your say and question the leaders. Listen live from three. Roberto Peroni, weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, I'm joined by one of the voices uh, from that trail. Paul Scoynes is here. And I have to say, for, for you listeners at home and Mr. Fun, we were miming that trail. You were playing the part of Paul Scoynes. And I, you can speak if you want. Uh-huh. And, oh, no, you can't. No, yeah. you can't. And I was playing the part of Catherine Boyle, and it really was it, a lot of fun. It was almost lifelike. It was. We might film that later on and, and, and ruin our careers. Now, <laughs> next week, the reason we're talking about this is next week, voters in Buckinghamshire and Hertfordshire go to the polls to elect their county councils. All seats are up for election, and it could see uh, big changes to the political landscape. So, what are the parties saying to convince you to vote for them? Paul Scoynes has been looking into this. Paul, tell us exactly what's at stake here. Well, Ian, uh, it's the big big county councils, if you like, uh, Bucks and Hearts, and they've uh, got huge budgets between them. So, between them, a combined budget of around nearly £2 billion. Wow. Over one and a half million residents live in those two counties, and uh, more than 150 seats are up for election. And these county councils decide on things like your schools, uh, rubbish collection, health, the roads and all services like that. Okay, now you've been speaking to all the parties. We're going to look at them each in detail. Today we're looking at the Greens. Yes, they've not had a great deal of electoral success in uh, this area. Uh, They've got one MEP in the South East. They've got a county councillor as well in Hertfordshire and they're contesting around 40 divisions in Hertfordshire but only around 10 in Bucks. Do do you say they've not had much success. Is there a realistic chance that, that they could do well this time round? Well... Possibly. I mean, let's not forget that uh, the traditional party of a protest, if you like, which used to be, and I don't think it's unfair to say this because uh, party members have admitted it to me 
themselves, the Liberal Democrats, are now in government. And, mm. and even though this is a local election, people do still look at the uh, national scene. And so, you know, perhaps if people don't want to vote for what you might consider to be the other protest party, which is very much UKIP, and they've said to me themselves that that's what they see themselves as, then maybe people might consider voting for Green. What are the Green policies? Well, the local policies yeah, for these areas? Locally, I mean, they're, they're, you would, as you would expect, they want to reduce waste. Uh, they also want in uh, Buckinghamshire to, to uh, perhaps get rid of the county council, which is also what the Lib Dems are proposing as well, and become unitary authorities. Uh, so instead of having one county council, have four unitary authorities, like they do in Bedfordshire. Bedfordshire got rid of its county council a few years ago. Uh, they say that they would like to reopen the East West Railway, which is under... You know, it That's is, being discussed, it isn't is it? being discussed, but there certainly there seems to be some stalling over that. They would like to um, see villages and towns that want 20 mile hour speed limits to implement them. Uh, they want to uh, oppose the environmentally damaging process of fracking in North Buckinghamshire. This is getting oil from, from Shale Rock, isn't That's it? That's right, yes. yes. Now, I didn't realise that but North Bucks had the capability of being fracked, but um, it would seem that, uh, that the Greens say they do. They also obviously want to promote recycling and local food production. Now, I've been speaking in to the leader of the Green Party, Natalie Bennett, and she told me about their general policies. We understand that we need a new kind of economy and a new kind of society. What we need are decent jobs that people can build a life on, and we need to, to do that. We need strong local economies built around small businesses, cooperatives, local shops. We need to support our high streets. What we need to do is make sure that we, we grow more food locally in Britain. We need to make we need to bring manufacturing back to Britain, make more things in Britain. And so we really need to restructure our economy and of course what we also need to do is deal with our energy issues which is big before the national parliament at the moment and that means not just renewable energy you know constructing the, the wind farms the, the solar energy that we need but also dealing with energy conservation particularly insulating people's homes which creates jobs cuts fuel poverty and um, also cuts people's carbon emissions wind farms aren't always popular either we've had lots of uh, uh, campaigns and groups on this show against wind farms that's right Uh, and and just in north bucks in the last few months we've had uh, one rejected and there have been several other applications put into hertfordshire and buckinghamshire as well nashley bennett though says that if people had a stake in them they might see them differently it's understandable in a way if people sort of suddenly learn that there's been an application for a big wind farm and it's owned by a multinational energy company the profits are going to fly away in the wind and there won't be any real benefit to be seen to the village or town nearby Uh, and you know we all know that the profits all too often fly off into the nearest um, tax haven uh, and don't don't really see any benefits locally at all so what we want to do is is if you see you know it actually it actually looks like a different thing if it's a community-owned thing and it's paying for a a new roof on the on the village hall some new facilities at the school some new um, you know trips for the older residents of the village then suddenly that wind farm really looks very different we've talked a lot to be honest i'm not sure that that would convince people the the the, the anger no disrespect the anger and furore we've had surrounding wind farms there's a lot of passion against them isn't there in some of these communities and i i I appreciate what she's saying but i would be surprised if one of the groups we'd spoken to would agree with with her that having an investment in it yourselves makes it more attractive perhaps next time there's a wind farm application and we do a story on it we should ask them saying well the leader of the green party says if you get a bit of money Mm. back from it maybe you could call it 
I don't know, bribe, then you know, people might feel might, different to say for legal reasons, I'm sure they do not see that in any way. It's not a bribe. It's a bribe whatsoever. I think it's a cracking idea, but I just don't know if it would change that many people's opinions. Anyway, we've talked a lot on this show about the dire need for housing uh, in the area. What's she going to do about that? Well, yes, 10,000 homes were rejected in Aylesbury just a couple of weeks ago. The, uh, that's going to the government inspector to decide. And I said to uh, Natalie Bennett, well, we need a bit more housing. What do you think about that? I ask her thoughts on the, the green belt. Protecting the green belt is absolutely critical because we need that space for you know the lungs. It's places where people walk their dogs, get some fresh air, have some space, and we actually know that's really good for people's health. And it's also land that we very much need to be growing local food on. That we need to have towns and villages used to be surrounded by a ring of market gardens, and that's the kind of thing that we need to go back to. So we really need to protect that land. So you would not build on the green belt. I wouldn't say no single house anywhere, but but what we want to do is make sure that, you know, we do need new homes. We want to use the brownfield sites first and look at things like converting office blocks, look at situations where you know, you're putting new homes in places where, where there's public transport, where there's schools, doctors, surgeries, all the facilities people need, not extending out into the countryside. Thank you, Paul. Now, remember, there is a debate on the issues facing Bucks tonight on Drive. You can join Roberto with the main parties in Buckinghamshire with a special Question Time-style debate from St Mary's Church in the centre of Aylesbury. But Paul Scoynes, you're going to be there. Well, I'm going to be there. There was one last week, wasn't there? Yes. Uh, very successful. Saw lots of pictures, but bustling crowd asking lots of questions. Just quickly, ha- explain how it works. Well, it's like Question Time. Hey. Yeah, and and David, David Dimbleby is played by Roberto Peroni and uh, the, the panellists sit either side of him and... Uh, people from the floor put questions to him it's yep. it's pretty simple and you know the the, the panelists what's good is that they don't know what's coming right so it's have, not pre-planned it's not pre-scripted it's or not anything i'm always or slightly dubious of no. these things well we get to see the questions yep. and so you know people do we will say okay that one next that one next but we don't we don't tend to edit them okay uh, unless there's a you know editorial reason to do so, so. so people can come and have their say and, and and speak freely yeah i went around yesterday around aylesbury handing out leaflets and uh, pushing notes through people's doors probably annoying lots of people but, but that's we'll talk about your window cleaning business surely yeah. let's just talk about roberto's it debate is, this evening it's incredibly good value uh, what, what time and where is it if people want to come along well the show's from three yeah and we're going to be in the middle of the uh, middle of the town center of the church big big church looks great the stage looks wonderful and uh, the debate starts at six so if anyone wants to come down then please try and get there for about five thirty. yes so we can get everybody in their seats in time uh hopefully we'll be bustling like it was last week and we'll be able to uh, get lots of questions in can i come and heckle you can do that. Nice one. I'll see you later on. Okay. Thank you, Paul. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. We'll be talking more about the uh, MMR jab. There are still people out there, despite us having a doctor on, who said it is 100% safe. There are still people who think there's a connection between MMR and that. Autism, yes. Well, do you think there's a connection? 08459 455 555. Did you hold off having your children immunised because you were afraid that something nasty might happen to them? 08459 455 555. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alan Cowie. and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, we've got uh, nothing major going on, actually. Uh, busy, but uh, nothing out of the ordinary. Uh, M1 southbound, just short delays from 11. Dunstable towards Junction 10, Luton. And A1 southbound, again, short queues from Eaton Socon towards the Black Cat roundabout. And M25 looking pretty normal, actually. Anti-clockwise delays uh, from Junction 21, uh, the M1, to 19 Watford. And again, from 18 Chorleywood to 15, which is the M4. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties. Radio. 
Alan, thank you very much indeed. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, MMR, autism. I can't believe we're still talking about it, but there are a million people are going to have the MMR jab. There's panic. Not quite panic. Let's, let's calm down ever so slightly. But with everything that's been happening in Wales... Well, now there's going to be... Uh, there's an alert for measles across England. Did you avoid getting the MMR jab for your children because you were worried about the links with autism? speak to you. Talk about that and more after the news with Catherine. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's eight o'clock. The headlines, measles outbreak sparks vaccination campaign, safety fears over grid road deaths and Aylesbury Boy set for vital surgery. BBC Three Counties Radio. A campaign's beginning in England to vaccinate a million children and teenagers who aren't protected against measles. Concerns been heightened by the outbreak in the Swansea area, which has affected more than 800 people. The Director of Immunisation at the Department of Health, Professor David Salisbury, says parents should be concerned. We have a group of people who chose not to vaccinate their children 10 or 15 years ago who probably don't think much about vaccines at all these days for their children and I really do appeal to them for whatever reason you made your choices those years ago think now about the risk that your children face because if they catch measles it's not trivial. Politicians and economists will learn later whether or not the UK economy has slipped into a third recession since the global financial crisis. Most experts are predicting that the economy did manage a small amount of growth in the first three months of the year. A Milton Keynes coroner is urging the council to reassess the safety of the area's grid road system after six deaths at crossing points over the past ten years. He was speaking at the inquest of Edna Reed, who died after a crash on the H9 last year. The driver of the taxi that hit Mrs Reed's car, Ralph Maynolfi, is backing calls for change. It's a horrible thing that you have to carry with you, even though it wasn't my fault. It's, I mean, my car struck her car, which ended her life. And, no, I mean, I... I I think about it every day. It just doesn't stop, you know. Even when I'm driving on the roads, I'm very, very wary now of people at the crossroads or at side turnings. A 35-year-old man is due for questioning by Luton Police after an off-duty policeman was bitten on the face by a suspected shoplifter. The incident happened outside Sainsbury's in Quantock Rise on Tuesday night after the officer helped security staff stop a running man. An Aylesbury boy will be flying to America for life-saving surgery later this week thanks to the goodwill of people in the area. More than a quarter of a million pounds was raised in the space of just a week, allowing seven-year-old Alex Novakovic, who has a brain tumour, to get treatment currently unavailable in this country. Family friend Dominic Smith says they've been overwhelmed by people's kindness. It's incredible. You know, People have signs on fences. Every shop you go to in Gentle Square, people are doing something. Everybody has done what they can. In sport, Liverpool managing director Ian Eyre says both his club and Luis Suarez are shocked and disappointed at the 10-game ban handed to the strike of a biting Chelsea's Branislav Ivanovic. Suarez won't play again this season and will miss the four- first six games of next season. The weather, cloudy with sunny spells and a top temperature of 21 degrees Celsius. That's 70 Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, here every weekday morning between six and nine. Always nice to have you on board. Oh, by the way, good news, exciting news. The end of next month, podcast coming of this show, weekly best of, oh, 
Oh, I'll have some of that. 35-minute best of that you can download from the internet and carry around in your pocket on your telephone, your iPod or any of your other MP3 players. More news coming on that. But this morning... A national measles vaccination programme is being rolled out across England. Well, the number of cases has more than doubled since last year. Did you fail to get the MMR jab for your children because you were scared of potential side effects? There are people out there, some of them have been posting on Facebook, who still believe that there's a connection. People power in Aylesbury has raised the money to send a seven-year-old boy to America for an operation which his family hope will save him from a brain tumour. And I don't want to raise your hopes too highly, but we're trying to get Uri Geller live on the show this morning. If we don't get Uri Geller live on the show this morning, we'll get one of my team doing an Uri Geller voice. Don't worry, don't worry, it's all going to happen. Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Go on there, have an argument. Feisty this morning. You can send me an email, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455555. BBC Three Counties Radio. A national measles vaccination programme is being rolled out across England as figures reveal the number of cases has more than doubled since last year. It's targeting around a million children and teenagers who were born around the time that concern about the now discredited link between autism and the MMR vaccine was widespread. I say discredited, there's still a little bit of ambiguity on the Facebook page. Um, Cheryl Ann says uh, on Facebook, My son had MMR... Now he has Asperger's. Could have been the jab or could not have been. Well, it, it wasn't the jab, Cheryl Ann. And it's interesting that you've still got doubt. If you're listening to this and you have some doubt, maybe your child is autistic or has Asperger's, and you think, well, actually, do you know what? It did happen when he had the MMR. She did change after that injection. Could you give me a call? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Well, we've sent our reporter Jessica Cooper out and about this morning. Jessica, you've been asking people about this, haven't you? Yes, I have, Ian. I've been talking to people about this um, catch-up campaign. That's what it's being called. It's going to be run through GPs, schools and community groups, really focusing on children aged 10 to 16 who haven't yet been vaccinated. And the idea is that they'll be offered the jab by September. And everybody that I've been speaking to in Milton Keynes this morning has said the same thing, really. Why would you take the risk? Of course, you've got to have the injection. They can't really understand why people wouldn't have it. And this is what they've been saying. I think everybody should have it because of what's happened obviously all my children had it we all had it my grandchildren everyone should when your children were having it were you concerned about them having it no never gave it a thought and i think perhaps children are coming into this country they should also be made or made aware of the problems if they don't have it i think that's a big problem as well well i think everyone should get it be safe i had it when i was a child do you think that was the right thing to have done definitely the right thing Definitely. Do you understand people's concerns about whether it's safe and? Yeah, some someone was saying that they about uh, autism or things. Uh, yeah, but I'd, I'd take the risk. I think it's a very good idea. Well, it will stop the epidemic that's happening in Wales at the moment, rolling out across the country. Do you understand people's concerns about the safety of the injection? Yeah, but my children had it. I was not worried about that, so you I think it's a good thing. And when they were having it, 
what went through your mind in terms of the decision making? It's better to have the injection rather than the disease. Well, I think it's a very necessary, very necessary thing, and uh, it should be rolled out uh, now. I think uh, all over the country. Do you understand that some people are in a predicament of um, do I want to put my child at risk? They they don't they don't trust the safety of the injection. Well, I think that I think that has now been more or less discounted. Well, there we go. That was Jess uh, out speaking to people a little bit earlier on. Dr Mike Lilly is the Health Protection Agency's Communicable Disease Consultant for Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire. Good morning, Doctor. Good morning. Very, very catchy little title that you've got there. Measles, how contagious is it and, and how dangerous can it be? Um, very contagious. I mean, on average, 10 to 15 minutes contact with a case, if you're not protected, can lead you to getting the infection. And yes, it can be very dangerous. It's still one of the top five causes of infant mortality in the world. So potentially very serious. If you do get measles, what what can be done? Uh, Very little. Uh, It's mostly a case of, as with all these viral illnesses, just keeping you comfortable, taking paracetamol or something similar to control the temperatures, um, plenty of fluids and time. Earlier on, we spoke to a GP from Hertfordshire who said there are cases in the uh, the county, but it's not too bad. Would you agree with that? And what's it like in Bedfordshire? I'd agree, yes. Um, We've had a very slight increase over figures from last year, um, but we are seeing more reported cases of measles now, and obviously linked into the concern across the country. But actually, confirmed cases have risen very slightly. Will we see see an increase like we saw in Wales? Is it it waiting to happen, or, or is it a slightly different situation? Potentially, we could. We have good vaccination figures within our counties, um, but not quite enough to prevent an outbreak from occurring. What happened in Wales? Why has, you may not know this, but why has Wales been, been hit so badly? Did, was there a complete avoidance of the MMR in that area? I think their figures were not, not as good in Wales for uptake on the jab. And obviously, if you have a large susceptible population and measles occurs, it's easily transmitted and all those susceptibles, if they come in contact with it, are at risk. There there are people that still think there could be a a, a connection between MMR and autism. A a couple of... I mean, Cheryl Ann on Facebook says, my son had MMR, now he has Asperger's, could have been the jab, could not have been the jab. So there are people that are still unsure. Are are we 100% certain there is no connection between the MMR and autism? I think the, the controversy back when these children who are now getting the disease... Um, occurred was largely because the vaccine was given around 12 to 13 months of age and the first signs of autism Asperger's typically would occur around 18 months of age so there's a sort of natural in people's mind connection between the two but there's no scientific evidence of a link between the two and indeed the World Health Organization which is a global health organization has, has said itself 900 million doses of MMR vaccination given to our children and the vaccine itself has an exemplary safety record and efficacy record. 
If there are any parents listening to this who haven't immunised uh, their children, uh, Doctor, what would you say to them? I would say get your child immunised as soon as possible. It's the best way of protecting against measles. Dr Mike Lilly from the Health Protection Agency, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. We had a caller earlier on who said if you haven't had your kids vaccinated with the MMR, you're a bad parent. It's bad parenting. I think I'd have to agree because it's, it's a simple thing to do. It's been scientifically proven there is no link between MMR and autism and Asperger's. So not to get it done is incredibly irresponsible and incredibly selfish, isn't it? 08459 455 555. You can text. Phil has texted me. 81333, starting his text 3CR. We had both our children immunised with the MMR vaccine. My wife works with special needs children. And from what she knew from her experience and studies, we believe then that the claimed link with autism was wildly dangerous. Sadly now, the price for the irresponsibility of the man who made those claims is being made with the health of some people's children. Let's have a look at um, some of the Facebook comments as well. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Uh, Jane says, I still think if the measles jab was made available as a single jab, the take-up would have been higher. Uh, Sandra says, I was 21 when I got a letter from my doctor saying I needed a booster um, MMR. My mum at 21 made me have it. Mm. Stephen says, I refuse to let either of my two kids have MMR. I pay to get separate ones. The reason being is that I'm the eldest of four brothers and my baby sister, well, she's 12 now, uh, and baby sister, uh, she's talking. My oldest brother and I had separate jabs as M- MMR didn't exist then. Then my two other bro- brothers did have the combined jab. They are both autistic and have had learning difficulties, but me, along with my brother, who didn't have MMR, are fine. My mother then refused the MMR for my sister after the Wakefield scare, and she's been fine. So even though Andrew Wakefield may have been disproved, my own personal experience still leaves me asking questions. It could have been just bad luck for my younger brothers, but that wasn't a risk I was prepared to take with my own children. Hence, I paid. So some people still kind of thinking, well, do you know what? Yeah, there might not be a link, but I'm not 100% sure. 08459 455 555. I would love to speak to you this morning. If you have personal experience where you think, no, this is, this is wrong. I can prove, I have proof, I've seen it with my own eyes. There is a link between the MMR and autism. I had a little boy, or my fr- little boy's friend, or the kid next door, was perfectly fine. They went and had the MMR, and they changed overnight. You could see the change in them. There will be people listening to this who have stories like that. 08459 455 555. Did you hold off giving your kids the MMR? Because I've just eaten a fly. Oh, that's disgusting. Sorry. You wouldn't have held off it having the MMR because of I've eaten a fly, but it might give you cause to think. Talked about this fly's been flying around me all morning and it's just flown into my mouth. That is disgusting. That is disgusting. I think I can soothe... Oh, that is flipping horrible. I need a cup of coffee. Oh, I think I swallowed a wing. That is disgusting. You see the conditions I have to work in. We often talk to, to Gavin Lee, who's a reporter here, who goes off to the Falklands, and he goes... He was in the Lebanon. He goes all the... That's nothing compared to what I've just had to endure. I've had a... a, a here comes the coffee. Thank you very much, Paul Scoynes. Hey, that's right. I don't know if you just heard, but I swallowed yeah. a fly. I don't, why? 
I don't know why. I swallowed a fly. Perhaps I'll die. <laughs> well, don't do that. I know there's something I could swallow that would then help get rid of the fly. How about that coffee? Thanks very much. Ah. Oh, there's a spider. Let me get that. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alan Cowie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, we've got uh, no accidents or problems to report, but uh, some heavy traffic on the M25 anti-clockwise from Junction 18, Chorleywood, to 15, which is the M4. That's going to take you about half an hour, but uh, nothing out of the ordinary. No uh, major problems reported. The A1 southbound short delays from Eaton Socombe towards the Black Cat roundabout at Roxton, and the A1M southbound is uh, slow around Junction 9, Letchworth towards uh, 7 at uh, Stevenage. Just checked the uh, trains. Just minor delays now, 15 minutes to London, Midland and Virgin trains between Milton Keynes and London Euston. Um, it's just because of congestion on the line, but uh, no major problems have been reported. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much indeed. Morning, it's 8.16. It's uh, Thursday the 25th of April. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A campaign is beginning in England to vaccinate a million children and teenagers who aren't protected against measles. The safety of Milton Keynes' grid road system is being called into question by the area's coroner after six fatal accidents at crossing points in the past ten years. In sport, Liverpool have until midday tomorrow to appeal against the 10-match ban given to Luis Suarez for biting Chelsea's Branislav Ivanovic in their match on Sunday. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks, cloudy with sunny spells and a top temperature of 21 degrees. Hey, People Power in Aylesbury has raised the money to send a seven-year-old boy to America for an operation which his family hope will save him from a brain tumour. We'll hear more before 8.30. BBC Three Counties Radio. On Friday night, Watford continue their push for automatic promotion against Leicester. With just two games left, the Hornets need maximum points to stand any chance of overtaking Hull. Tough game, I know, but uh, we are a team that can do crazy things. With full live commentary on this crucial game in Three County Sport. Gets the shot in, finds the bottom corner, and that's the goal that Watford have been so desperate for. Leicester versus Watford, Friday night from 7 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Jonathan Vernon Smith Power I've sent some jingles To Mike our jingle man For you <laughs> I just got, in, I, I got That's why I wasn't in yesterday Because I was just inspired I thought well I can't do the show I've got some great jingles uh, For JVS I'm going to sit at home And record them I did it on a tape recorder Without any instrumentation at all It's, it's not fantastic So hopefully Did you did you go back On, on a multi-track and, and lay down different vocals So you could harmonise like, like Kenny Everett No 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 It's just literally Press record and play <laughs> On a C90. Um, I can sing you some now if you want. Well, why not? Let's... Uh... If you got a problem with a broken down fridge. If you got a problem with a cream that gives you an itch. He can help. It's Jonathan Vernon Smith on Three Counties Radio. He can help. Very good. That's, that's just one of them. I did literally 72 of those bad boys. You should move to Dallas with that kind of talent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, th- I'm tempted. I'm really, really tempted. Really tempted. Ooh. I've just had a, a, a Paul Scoyne's coffee. I don't know if you've ever had this. It's it's like getting a, a crack pipe and inhaling. <laughs> I've never tried a crack pipe. Oh, well, I don't intend to. Well, come and see me after the show. We'll discuss. Upstairs, it's it smells like Costa. <laughs> 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 
a lot of people are having uh, having interviews, job interviews today. Have you noticed everybody's being really, really nice? Yes. Everyone's dressed smart, and they've been really, really nice. Really yes. nice. Because oh. that's how it works, isn't it? That's how it works. It's not yes. based on talent here, it's on how nice you are and how well you uh, you look. That's why we're employed. We're exactly. Nice we, look we, at us. I look like a farmer, and you look like my... Um, my I should say warm hand. That's not a farming term, is it? No. Farm hand. Farm hand. Yes. Yeah, I see. Do you smell my jumper? Love to smell your jumper. Love to smell my jumper. It's, I think it smells particularly nice. Oh, that is very, that very nice. nice. Has yeah. that been sitting on a radiator? No. Oh, it's warm. Is that, is that just... That's my um, body. Is that just from the body heat? Yes. Wow, steamy windows mm. coming from the body heat. <laughs> that, smells, that smells lovely. What have you done to it? Have you spritzed it? No, no, I've just washed it. Wow. I told you, I've gone back to powder. It's yeah. made a massive difference. What's coming up on your show this morning? Well, the big phone-in today. Do you think all mothers should go back to work to help the economy? You've seen this story today. The government has suggested that stay-at-home mums should return to work. I'm not joking, this is true. There's a fascinating article in the Daily Telegraph today, ahead of the publication of the GDP figures, that quotes David Cameron's official spokesperson as saying that would be good for the economy. In last month's budget, the Chancellor announced a system of tax breaks to help parents with nursery costs, but the campaign group Mothers at Home Matter said the government was obsessed with GDP at the expense of family life. Well, from nine this morning, I want to hear your views. Do you think all mothers should go back to work? to help the economy 08459 455 555 we'll discuss it on the big phone in from nine i look forward to listening to that thanks you're welcome do you want to smell my jumper again yeah i do actually come, well. come over here oh, i licked a little <laughs> bit as well how you lick my just a little bit <laughs> fantastic across beds hearts and bucks this is ian lee on bbc three counties radio if you want to give Jonathan a call, you can. 08459 455 555. You can send him an email as well. jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. People Power in Aylesbury has raised the money to send a seven-year-old boy to America for an operation which his family hope will save him from a brain tumour. The target was £255,000. They raised the money in a week. Well, our reporter Sophie Solaria has been down to Aylesbury to hear how a community has rallied together to help this incredible little boy. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you ever so much. Uh, my name's Dominic Smith um, and I'm a, a fellow dad from Bedgrove Infant School um, where Alex was a pupil and we've just been raising awareness really for the cause so trying to get as much money as possible over the last eight days. We had 255,000 to raise to send Alex to America, which seems impossible to begin with, but Aylesbury's just got behind it, the whole community's behind it, and it looks like now we're going to reach that target and Alex will be able to go and have life-saving treatment. Tell me a little bit about Alex's condition. You know, he's, he's very, very poorly. He's, he's got to get to America, and the sooner he gets there, the better. What does he need doing? He's having proton therapy, which is... <laughs> I find it hard talking about this, like... I can't tell you how emotional it is. It's incredible. I'm Kevin Stenson. So, Kevin, you're one of the people that are collecting with buckets. Can you just tell me about how much money you've collected in the last half an hour? We've been here, and just looking at it, we're probably up to 150, probably, in there, I should think, by the time it's all counted out. Oh, my goodness, so we've got piles of £10 notes. We've got £2 coins. That's not your average collection, is it? It's just 
amazingly touching it's uh, humbling i'm with lara lara you, you work here at Hartwell, yeah. and you made the decision to change the window display from being the houses that you're selling to being posters for the charity. Yeah, I just I thought it was the least we could do, um, and obviously it's in in Buckingham Street, so it's the town centre, so it gets everyone's attention. Um, might just remind people to donate. People can that's not heard about it will see it, stop and question. I can't even describe what it what's going on in Owsbury at the moment. I mean, any time you look on on the on the on the computer, anything sort of Twitter and Facebook, all my newsfeed is just Alex, Alex, Alex. I hardly see anything. That's all I've seen all week. Well, there we go. It's an incredible story, and uh, it's, it's amazing to hear how that money was raised so quickly. Sophie Solaria there with that report on the fundraising effort by the people of Aylesbury. But as we've been hearing, charity donations fell by a fifth in 2011-2012, according to the latest figures. A report by the Charities Aid Foundation and the National Council for Voluntary Organisations found there were fewer people giving money to worthy causes and the amounts they contributed also fell. Well, we'll hear from a lawyer about the changing emphasis on fundraising through social media shortly. But before that, Linda Sanders is the manager of Tramps Hairdressers in Aylesbury who held a quiz night to raise money for Alex's fund. She joins me now. Good morning, Linda. Good morning. Linda, why did you decide to jump on board and help raise this money? Well, we've been fundraising for a few years and this year we decided not to do any as it's been so hard but Friday morning my daughter called me and told me about this uh, urgent need so immediately we set to and uh, on Tuesday evening we raised £3,700 for a quiz night this was our quiz night but also we had so many raffle prizes that kept pouring in on the evening as well and we were selling tickets outside the shop for two days and we just did not stop selling them People what? are amazing. Yeah, well, it is amazing. What? Why do you think the community pulled together so much? I think local charity, um, especially for one particular um, urgent need, I think hits everybody. Um, we've d- uh, ch- done charity before, and it's been harder outside of the town. Great Ormond Street, we did well, but I think for something like this, well, it's just been wonderful. People, you know, have just been so... Just amazing, amazing. It's hard to explain. Do you think this is the, the, the kind of the change in times that, that, that perhaps smaller local charities do better than these, these big national or international corporation charities? Uh, certainly on this occasion, because it's the first time we've had anything like this. Now, how it would go on if it was happening every sort of few months that there was something like this, it would be interesting to see. But certainly on this occasion, I think, well, people are still giving, you know, and they've reached the target. Uh, Linda, uh, thanks very much. I appreciate your your time. There's Linda Sanders, uh, manager of Tramps Hairdressers in Aylesbury. Raised a few grand with a quiz night. That is incredible, isn't it? We can talk now to Jonathan Silverman, who's a private client lawyer with Silverman Sherlock Solicitors. Good morning, uh, Jonathan. Hi, good morning. I think the first thing one's got to say is all credit to the people for Aylesbury for helping out in such a desperate situation. It's incredible. Uh, Quarter of a million pounds in a week. Well, it just shows that the, the, the British public are very generous when they, when they can identify with a cause which is, a, you know, which is close to them. Um, I think it, it's actually quite interesting because it does indicate this kind of huge segmentation in the way in which things happen in society today. I mean, you've seen the segmentation in, in TV and media where you've got all these different channels to market. And perhaps, you know, from the charitable sector, they've also got to recognise the fact that there's a changing way in which people give. Um, give us some examples to... of how those, those changes are, are, are taking place. Well, I mean, the changes, are just in, in putting it into context, 
if you're looking to, to launch a product or a service, crowdfunding is now a, a way in which corporates raise money. And I think it, it's part and parcel of, of the fact that people feel very comfortable with using smartphones, using their computers and tablets. And it's a, a less intrusive way for a lot of people to give. One thing that's particularly interesting is that if you give online and you use something like Just Giving, um, which has become very popular because people say are running a race or, or a sponsored walk for a particular charity, it then leads to what's called viral marketing. And that, that's the, the opportunity that you've given online a small amount or whatever, but you'll then put it on Facebook or you'll tweet the fact you've given. Now, whether you're doing that because it's, you, you want the, you know, the, the vanity aspect of it, the fact you, you've done something for charity, but the effect of it, of course, is that you're passing that on to other people. That gives them an opportunity to give. So you, you've got different routes. You've got ways in which people can give small amounts. Uh, once you're registered on one of these online giving processes, it's a very simple process. It's a few clicks. You know, if you've got the option of, of a couple of clicks on your PC or, or being challenged in the street by a chugger for a charity that you might not relate well to, it's a very different process. Uh, you mentioned chuggers. D- d- could this be the, the, the death of the chugger, the, 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 the evolution that's taking place in the way we give to charity? Um, it won't be before time. They are, the thing is, that they're so annoying, they're so irritating, they're so in your face. I, I think that must scare a lot of people off. I, I think it does, and certainly a number of charities that we've advised over the years have, have pulled away from it. You have to distinguish between chuggers and, of course, the people, just like there's people in the streets in Aylesbury, yeah. who were giving of their time. And, you know, from a charitable perspective, you need people to give of their time as much as give of their money. But I think, you know, the thing in Aylesbury is very interesting because people could relate to a specific problem and a specific way in which they could help. And, and I think that the, the main charities are going to have to perhaps look at ways of identifying that so that people will support a particular campaign. Um, if you take, for example, um, the Prostate Association, you will find that they, they, they focus now and they'll say, we are doing a particular piece of research. And again, I think this is part and parcel of a change in attitude. People are happy to give, but they want to see a direct correlation between their giving and what's happening. And I think social media has enabled that fragmentation. Jonathan, uh, I really appreciate your time this morning. That's Jonathan Silverman, who is uh, a client lawyer with Silverman Sherlicker Solicitors. Uh, 08459 455 555. Just a quick text here. Steve from Luton says, Swallowing a fly live on air, brilliant. Just there is your Sony. Made me nearly miss my turn off laughing. Well, Steve, I'm glad my suffering. If you missed it, uh, I did swallow a fly live on air. I was trying to do quite a serious bit as well, and then the flipping fly got in my mouth. We'll put, we'll put it out as an audio boo. That, that is what the internet was made for. Some bloke who used to be on the telly swallowing a fly live on the radio will be available for you to download and keep forever. All right, let's get the travel news now. Here's Alan Cowie. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, not a huge amount to report, actually. The M25 looks fairly normal, really. Anti-clockwise, there are delays from 18 Chorleywood to 15 the M4. That's going to take about half an hour or so. But uh, the uh, M1 looking uh, reasonably clear. A bit slow on the A1M southbound between Junction 9, Letchworth towards uh, 7 at Stevenage. Just checked the uh, trains. Just minor delays of up to 15 minutes between uh, Milton Keynes and London Euston. That's uh, London Midland and Virgin trains. Just congestion on the line following a train that uh, broke down earlier. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alan, thank you very much. Just to add to that, we've got Ray and Luton on the line. Ray, you can add something to the travel news, can you? Yeah, just very quickly. I've just been into Luton Airport and back out again. 
and the queue from the A6, I still got the A6 roundabout, back to Junction 10, continues. It's traffic coming northbound, just come off the slip road. Uh, it's back almost halfway back towards 9. Why so is that? Do you know? There's no accident, there's no nothing, there's no problems there, there's no broken down cars. I can imagine there may have been something before, but literally I've had a good look, and there's no, as I say, no broken down cars, nothing holding anybody up. Sheer volume of traffic and Luton Airport is quite busy. Ray, thank you very much indeed for that update. Let's get the news and sport now. Here's Catherine Boyle. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. A police cordon has been placed around the graveyard of St Mary's Church in Aylesbury. Thames Valley Police have confirmed a search is taking place. We'll keep you up to date with developments in the course of the morning. A campaign's beginning in England to vaccinate a million children and teenagers who aren't protected against measles. And the safety of a Milton Keynes grid road system is being called into question by the area's coroner after six fatal accidents at crossing points over the past ten years. Beds, hearts and bucks, sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's looking more and more like the Champions League final at Wembley next month will be an all-German affair after Borussia Dortmund beat Real Madrid 4-1 in their semi-final first leg. Polish striker Robert Lewandowski scored all four goals from the home side. It means Dortmund are now big favourites to reach the final where they could face Bayern Munich who beat Barcelona 4-0 on Tuesday. In tonight's Europa League ties, Chelsea play Basel and Fernabacha at home to Benfica. Luis Suarez will not play again this season and will miss out the first uh, six, uh, six games of next season after the Liverpool striker was banned for 10 matches for biting Chelsea's Branislav Ivanovic. Liverpool's managing director Ian Eyre says both the club and player are shocked and disappointed at the severity of the decision. Watford are preparing for the championship match at Leicester tomorrow night. The Hornets still have a small chance of claiming an automatic promotion place with two games to go, but they can't afford to lose and other results have to go their way. MK Dons held their Player of the Season awards last night. Defender Sean Williams won both the Fans Award and the Players Award and he was clearly thrilled. Firstly, to get players play of the year is a um, big achievement for myself obviously training with the lads and that every day so it's a, it's a great honour to receive that and then from the fans for the other one um, was even better like it was just topped it off really it was uh, I know it was a disappointing season but um, to come away with two awards wasn't too bad. And the organisers of the European Heineken Cup say over 21,000 tickets have been sold for the semi-final between Saracens and Toulon, which is being played on Sunday at Twickenham. That's your latest news and sport. More from me at nine o'clock. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Suddenly it's 8.33. There's only 27 minutes of the show left. Well, still plenty of time to give us a call if you want before JVS at 9 08459 Will we manage to track down Uri Geller before 9 o'clock? Or, I've promised it, so it'll have to happen, will one of my team end up doing a silly voice? We'll find out. Keep listening. Coming up, possibly Uri Geller or an impersonation of him. Uh, and more on watches and MMR. Do you think there's a connection between the MMR and autism? A lot of you on Facebook are kind of going, do you know what, I'm not convinced there isn't. I think there might be. I'd love to hear from you this morning if you have a story where you think that, yes, the MMR is responsible for a change in the behaviour of your kids or friends of your kids or your next-door neighbours or something like that. 08459 455 555. 
Now, the safety of the grid roads in Milton Keynes are being called into question after six deaths within ten years. Speaking after the inquest into the death of an elderly woman last year, a coroner has asked the council to review the way drivers have to cross over dual carriageways when they turn right out of estates. Our reporter Jessica Cooper has been speaking to drivers to find out if the crossover points are safe. Uh, I think they're dangerous, actually, because the, tra- the traffic is going far too fast on the left-hand side. It's sweeping round there without any sort of give way. And you're going across, you've gone across the roundabout, and then all of a sudden you're joining this traffic, and you're not actually going at the same speed. Mm. So in my experience, they're quite dangerous, especially if you're not aware of them. And you don't live in Milton Keynes. No. Um, so for, for somebody who's n- maybe not too familiar with the road network, um, what do you find it like? I would say it's quite dangerous if you're not familiar with it. You know, And also I think the, the average speed of the traffic is too high. A lot of the roads are 60 miles an hour. I think, well, you know, it's just kind of a build-up area. I think it's, it's too high. They can be dangerous. I think you just need to be really careful and aware of them. The one here probably is fairly dangerous because you've got two junctions after the roundabout there isn't another junction till this one at Shenley Shenley Lodge and I think people are sort of speeding putting the foot down there and not aware of, of the junction as much. In other parts of Milton Keynes uh, one in, in particular has ha- actually closed as a result of a, f- a few accidents and yeah. people saying it was too dangerous I mean do you think there is a need for the crossover points? Yes, they, they probably do, otherwise drivers will be driving a long way to get it, get to the estates, maybe a, a longer filter stream. If you live in Milton Keynes, I think they are quite safe because you get used to them, but if you come from outside and you don't know much about them, it can be dangerous. Like when I moved to Milton Keynes eight years ago, it took me, not like a couple of weeks, to get used to the speed of the grid system because I was driving normally a bit slower than because I was expecting it to be 40 miles per hour because I come from London. But here, the 60 miles per hour is fast. It's a faster speed. So when you take a left and right, your ju- my judgment was slightly out. I think there's a very good idea maybe 10 years ago because the population of Milton Keynes last 10 years has gone up so so much. The same as traffic. And what happens is the central point on the grid system it gets overcrowded with cars. The crossover. The, bit. Cro- the crossover bit gets overcrowded with cars and. It is quite dangerous at times, particularly peak time, because people are in hurry. Well, that's our reporter Jessica Cooper speaking to drivers in Milton Keynes. Councillor John Bint is in charge of transport and highways at MK Council. Morning, John. Good morning, Ian. John, are these crossover junctions safe? In general, yes. Um, we very much regret any accident and particularly extend our, our sympathy to the, uh, the family and the friends of, of, of Edna Reid, who is the lady who... Uh, as focused in your in your report earlier, uh, she was very well known in Milton Keynes and much respected. And as I say, we extend our condolences. Uh, but I think your report has also shown uh, six accidents, six fatalities in ten years, which, when you consider that this is a conurbation of two hundred thousand people, um, is is every accident is to be rated but taken in perspective. Um, we don't think is is uh, is a huge number. Why do you think the coroner then has asked the council to review the, the, these crossings? Because that's the role of the coroner. We respect the coroner's role hugely, and we will be looking very seriously into whatever his question is when we get it, and, and if there is more we need to do in terms of the way we already review road safety, then we will, of course, respond to the coroner. Um, I think it, it needs to be added that there is already a programme of of review of all of our junctions on a periodic basis. There is also a review process if there have been a cumulative number of, of accidents. I think it's something like kind of half a dozen over half a dozen years. Um, 
at any one location. So if you if you get a cumulative number of, of, of accidents, then that triggers a further review. And obviously there is a review if, if there's a fatality at any location. So all these things happen already and we take a, a according action, um, which has included some modifications to some junctions on occasions. But if there's even more we can do to, to review it, then of, of course we will. One local driver has told us this morning that there's now too much traffic on the road for the crossovers to work properly. That, that when they were first installed, yep, it was a smaller uh, community and they worked fine. And now there's just too much traffic. The point, the specific point that that raises is when the number of queue of cars waiting in the central reservation um, to turn right gets longer than the, than the available space. That's one of the things we look at. If there are specific locations where uh, residents believe there is a problem, do draw those to our attention. We have looked at a number, we've made some modifications, and, and as I say, if there's, if there's more, then, then we will. But I think the general point is that Milton Keynes uh, is growing, is continuing to grow. Uh, it's a fabulous place to live because it enables people to get around and get to their jobs and get their kids to the schools they want to. Um, that's why it's growing, because it's a great place and, in general, a safe place to live. And people want to come and live here and work here and, and take, their, take their kids to school, go to our, our, our amenities uh, around the city and around the borough. Can the roads, so can the roads cope with, with the growth? We've got to find a way of making things cope with the growth. I, I hope very much that some people will be encouraged to cycle a little more on some journeys, to, to, to walk to local destinations. So there are too um, many cars? No, I didn't say there's too many cars. I said what, what, what we've got is we've got a system where Milton Keynes is, is hugely popular and that, that brings some stresses. We're going to have to invest in, in more roadway capacity and we've got a plan to do that. Um, we're going to keep it safe and we're doing that. We're encouraging people to use some other choice of vehicle for some other journeys. We're doing that as well. But it's still a great and generally a safe place to live and we will, of course, respond positively to whatever the coroner's recommendation is. John Mint, thank you very much indeed. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. We're talking about the MMR vaccinations and the, the alleged link between the MMR and uh, autism. Elizabeth is in Bulldog. Good morning, Elizabeth. Hello there, morning. Morning. How's the fly? The, the fly, I, well, the fly is being <laughs> digested as we speak. Well, Horrible okay. thing and in I my mouth. you were vegetarian. I know, exactly. I've crossed the line. Ooh, it tasted <laughs> nice, though. Now, Elizabeth, yeah. we had a caller earlier on who said if parents don't get their kids vaccinated, they are selfish and irresponsible. What's, what do you make of that? Well, I can only speak from experience. Let me say that I am ancient and I have had measles. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. That's number one. I have had two children. Now, with my son, um, he, he was okay. Had a temperature after the vaccination, but nothing horrific, okay? And that was when it was done singularly. And on the booster, he, he didn't have a problem at all. He just reacted on the first one. Now, when it came to our daughter, she had a horrific reaction. I called the doctor... Uh, go away, um, it's not our vaccine. I said, whether it is or not, I need some help. What reaction did she have, Elizabeth? Um, a kind of almost instant, off-the-scale temperature. Yeah. Took her to hospital, and they were just interested in saying it's not our vaccine. I got help from a friend of mine to bring her temperature down, who's a vet. 
What happens is, look, if something goes wrong, what parents object to is the medical profession, leg it. They leave you to it. You can spend five, eight, ten years trying to get help. That is what is wrong. Uh, you, you know, you've got to say, look, if a child does react badly, we are there for you. They don't. They run. There is always a chance of, of uh, uh, a physical reaction, uh, a oh, short-term yeah. reaction, because you are injecting a child yeah. with, with an illness, yeah, you know. And, and my boys have had their injections, yeah. and a week later they get sweaty, and they don't sleep very well, and they get a bit red, and then yeah. it passes. Did, you, did your daughter's condition pass quite quickly? No. And it, it was virtually instant. When she went for her booster, I said, look, she had a reaction. And the lady was very good. She said, I'm only going to give her a minute amount. Uh, ring me immediately if she reacts. And she did. And they couldn't finish it. But w- what I objected to was just being abandoned. Mm. I mean, if, if you want parents to risk their beautiful child, you stand by them. Um, you, you don't... You, they just all ran... That's the only way I can put it to you. This, you say this, this was a while ago. Oh, gosh, yes, she's, she's 33. Oh, blimey, well, there you go. Uh, but, but, uh, uh, you know, I don't think attitudes have changed, sadly. Really? You think that the, the doctors and the, the nurses, they still kind of, they do it I and then it's up the to you? I um, think let's say the government, I, I just don't think that they're, they're willing to put their, their money where their mouth is. Do you, you, what do you think about the claims that were made 20 years ago or so that there, wa- there was a connection between the MMR and autism? You know that's been dispelled, don't you? Oh, yes, yes. Okay. I, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm no. saying that I, I believe, yes, it is a calculated risk. And if, if you happen to come unstuck, people have done their best. They've done what they think they should do. Please don't leave them to it. Elizabeth, thank you very much indeed. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. There, I mean, there is always going to be a slight reaction uh, when you have, you, you're injecting your kid with a disease. You're putting disease in your child. That's what it is. That's what a vaccine is. And it's horrible. And our boys all got the, almost a week to the day. Red flushes, hot, sweaty, couldn't sleep, lethargic, horrible. But. Elizabeth there says her daughter had a, a, a slightly stronger reaction and was ignored by the medical profession. 08459 455 555. Right, 845, travel news now, Alan Cowley. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, very busy heading into uh, Luton Airport. The uh, M1 northbound from uh, Junction 10, the, uh, the Spur Road towards the Kidneywood roundabout. Uh, just very slow. No accidents or problems have been uh, reported. Just some patchy delays on the M1. Nothing to worry about too much. Uh, the A1 southbound, uh, just uh, short delays uh, from Eaton Soken to the Black Cat roundabout. And the A1M heavy southbound from Letchworth to Stevenage. That's junctions 9 to 7. As for the M25 for anti-clockwise, it's taking about half an hour from Junction 18, Chorleywood, to Junction 15, which is the M4. On the trains, we've got a good service now from uh, Milton Keynes into London, Euston, both uh, London Midlands and uh, Virgin reporting a good service. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alan, thank you very much indeed. I'm reading more and more comments on the Facebook page about these, um, these vaccinations. And uh, some of you still... Uh, uh, some of you still think there is a connection between the MMR and autism. I'm looking at what Ricky's writing. We'll, we'll have a look at those a little bit later on. But it's uh, 8.46. Time to get the headlines now on BBC Three Counties Radio. 
A police cordon has been placed around the graveyard of St Mary's Church in Aylesbury. Thames Valley Police have confirmed a search is taking place, but have yet to disclose what they're looking for. Just a reminder, that's where Roberto is supposed to be having his discussion later on this evening. We'll have more on that story as we hear it. A campaign is beginning in England to vaccinate a million children and teenagers who aren't protected against measles. In sport, Liverpool have until midday tomorrow to appeal against the 10-match ban given to Luis Suarez for biting Chelsea's Branislav Ivanovic in their match on Sunday. Coming up, I promise we either have Uri Geller or one of my team doing an Uri Geller voice. We'll find out which it's going to be after the weather with Elizabeth Rossini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, very good morning to you. It's going to be another lovely day today with a bit of cloud around but also plenty of good spells of sunshine too and that sunshine feeling very warm. A very mild day, temperatures up to 20 or 21 degrees Celsius quite widely. Welling Garden City, Luton, Stevenage, High Wycombe too will see in over 20 degrees, 68 in Fahrenheit. Some spots could get as high as 22 degrees perhaps, most likely I think towards eastern areas of Hertfordshire. So a lovely day looking dry but we might just catch one or two very isolated showers into the afternoon um, into this evening though it's all going to end we've got some rain pushing in from the northwest it's going to turn wet overnight that rain rather persistent in places eventually clearing into tomorrow morning a day of sunshine and showers but the biggest shock of all will be that it feels much cooler probably by around 9 or 10 degrees Celsius for some places actually um, so uh, yeah a bit of a shock to the system there feeling an awful lot cooler some frosty nights too to come over the course of the weekend sunshine and showers again on Saturday Sunday is looking drier but still highs of only 11 or 12 degrees Celsius so nothing like today do get outside and enjoy it if you can have a marvellous day thank you very much Nick Coffer, across Beds, Hearts and Bucks. This Friday, the latest stop on my tour of Beds, Hearts and Bucks will be Hemel Old Town. Nick Coffer. I'll be finding out how to paint with wax. There'll be live music from Mini Birch, what the point of unattractive cakes are, and some African drumming. Across Beds, Hearts and Bucks. Plus, find out if I can escape from a straitjacket and run away with the circus. Nick Coffer. From the Old King's Arms in Hemel Old Town, Friday from midday. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee. Here until nine o'clock, then it's JVS at nine. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Who'd have thought we'd managed to, to get a whole show out of the fact the Daily Telegraph is being sponsored by Time today? The whole it is. You get the Telegraph. It's weird. There's a, 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 a huge glossy magazine about watches. There's a huge pull-out newspaper bit about watches, and there's watches kind of throughout. It's very odd. Anyway, kind of got me talking about watches. We sent our hard-hitting news reporter, Jessica Cooper, out into Milton Keynes this morning to talk watches. Jessica, what on earth were you asking people? (laughs) Well, I've been asking all kinds of things. How many watches do you have and what do you look for in a watch? Basically, based on my own experience, I have three watches. One, um, which I'm wearing now, which I got for Christmas, which I demanded would have a big face because I needed to see the time. Another one that I haven't worn for ages, even though I do like it because the battery's died. And a third one that I use for running um, quite regularly, but I don't use it properly. I don't know how to use half of the buttons. But it seems that people here in Milton Keynes are actually quite into their watches. Some have certain watches for certain outfits and even certain seasons. Here's what they've been saying. So just stop two men. How many watches do you have? I've got two. 
two watches. Yeah. And what are they like? Uh, they're nice. One's a Braille and one's a Citizen. Fancy watches. And what yeah. about you? Uh, I've got one and it's a Tissot. Okay, so what do you look for in a watch then? When you're buying a watch, what are you after? Um, something nice, something big, not too flashy. It's a little bit more classier than flashy, you know what I mean? You want people to notice it. You want people to notice it? Yeah. So it's all about the look? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say it's about the look, definitely. So how many watches do you have? Just one. Just the one? Yeah, yeah. Why have you only got one then? I think that's all you need, really. <laughs> I don't do, like, fashion and uh, stuff. But... No, no, that's no. fine. And what's your watch like? Have you got it on? Yes. Let's have a look. Right. So we've got um, a nice clear face here. Yeah. What do you look for when you're getting a watch? Um, just the, the price and uh, sturdiness for work, really. Like, work, they break easily. Mm. Stuff like that. When you, if you put, don't put your watch on on a day... Do you feel like something's missing? Is it something you have to have on each yeah, day? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, always, yeah. yeah. Although you get your phone, it's always a pain to sort of, you know, get it out and that and mess around. Yeah. So it's a must-have accessory. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So how many watches do you have? Three. Three? <laughs> Why do you need three, then? It's not need, it's what one. <laughs> you want them, right. Why do you want three, then? Well, I've got um, a summer watch, a winter watch, and a blingy going out evening watch. Oh, right, OK. Yeah. Um, weird? No, no, it's not weird at all. And, and you haven't got it on today? No, it's. I can't believe it, because um, I feel really bizarre with that watch. But my summer watch is on my desk at work, so when I get into work, I can put my summer watch on. So you leave a watch at work ready for your arrival? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh. Well, that is unique. What are you looking for when you get a um, watch, then? A brand name, white summery watch, and a sparkly going-out watch. So, at the moment, that's enough. Mm. Yeah. But you might invest in more in the future, then? Yeah, definitely. How many watches do you have? Just the one. Just the one? I only, I only need the one watch. I've got one, up, I've got one left arm, and that's uh, <laughs> all I can wear at one time. Mm. Have you got it on at the moment? Yep. I like something simple. Gives a little bit more than the time. This one's got a date on it. That uh, I've had ones before with stopwatches on, which I, I like something a little bit more than a standard watch. Well, there we go, Jessica. Ex- excellent stuff, you see. He, that gentleman almost said he only had one arm. Of course, Justin Bieber famously wears two watches, doesn't he? Yes. Now, we... <laughs> I, think, I think she may have gone off for a cup of tea, and, and well-deserved. Either that or she's weeping because of what we sent her out to do this morning. She's a proper journalist and everything. Now, I wanted to get Uri Geller on this morning because he can bend watches with his mind. And if I couldn't get Uri, well, then one of my team was going to have to do an impersonation. <clears throat> Let's find out who we've got. Is that the real Uri Geller on the line? Hey, Lee, good morning. It, yes, it is. Uri, it's Uri. Ian, of course, but it's lovely <laughs> to speak to you. How are you, brother? You well? I'm fantastic. Thank you very, very much for calling me. And, um, yes, in the past, Lee, I have managed, believe it or not, to stop the Big Ben twice until you, I got a nasty letter to stop doing it. <laughs> you, well, hang on a second. You stopped Big Ben? I did, yeah. With the power of your mind? Absolutely. Who sent you a letter asking you to stop stopping Big uh, Ben? I, I won't tell you, but it came from a source that I had to take seriously. Was it like the Queen or someone? Did the uh, Queen say, stop messing around my clock? Well, what, what the letter did, it, it basically uh, gave credibility to, what, to my claim. Yes. Um, I remember that I stood outside... Um, the Big Ben, and I looked at it, and I, I simply shouted, one, two, three, stop, and, and it stopped. 
Now, of course, uh, it's so hard to believe, but you see, because I'm a great believer, Lee, in the energies of the mind, you know, everything is made from energy, uh, and that has been proven by uh, no other than Albert Einstein in 1924. The phone that I'm holding in my hand, if if you bang the wall next to you, it, to you, it feels solid, but it's really not. It's energy. And when you think, when one thinks, you have a very powerful surge of energy being emitted out of your mind. Now, if you know how to utilize that or practice or exercise it, you can do amazing things with the power of your mind. Give, give, give me an exercise I could practice. Because I love all this stuff. I oh, love I can, it. Give me an exercise I, I can do. I, I can tell you right now that we are going to do an experiment with your listeners. Whoa. And they will freak out. So oh, here we go. Hey, okay, here we go. Everybody listening to Lee, what's the name of your the, the program? Well, Uri, I, well it's, it's Ian Lee, and it's, it's just the Ian Lee show. So it is Ian. Yes. Okay, Ian, I, I don't know when you sign off, because it's about five to nine now. But yeah. everybody at home, yes. listen to me carefully. Here we go. If you have a broken watch yeah. or a broken clock, yes. broken timepiece, anything broken in your home, bring it right now wow. to the radio set. We'll give you about a minute yeah. and a half to do it. Go and get it. And go and get all your broken watches. Now, let, let's, we, you and I, uh, Ian, let's yes. chat for about a minute and okay, a half. And when your listeners will come back, I will run a one-minute exercise with them, which will blow your mind because you're going to have dozens and dozens of people calling you up, telling you that their broken watches came alive okay. and started ticking. Well, Uri, we've got two minutes left, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask the, the, the callers, if this does work, send me an email, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk, and we will follow this up on tomorrow's show Great. and discuss this. Now, Uri, so, so got their watches and clocks now, the, right. Okay, this is the exercise. Give me 30 seconds. Away you go. I want you all at home to wind the watches up. If, you have, if you're driving in a car and you have something, a broken component, focus on it. Wind your broken watches up. Hold them in your hands, and together with me, I know this sounds, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but you, you do it with me. Uh, when I shout one, two, three, you all shout the word work. Are, Shout- you, are you ready? Work. We're shouting Ian? work. Okay, yes. One, two, three, this work. I, I didn't hear you shout it. Come on. I didn't shout it. Right, let's go. Let's go. One, two, three, work. work. And one, one more time. One, two, three, work. Now, everyone at home... Look at the watches. Open your hands. It, do, you, do you see if you have a second hand? Is it moving? If you don't have a second hand, lift the watch or the yeah. clock to your ears. Is it ticking? If it is working now, please make sure that Ian knows everything that happened to you by email. If nothing happened to you, don't be disappointed because it doesn't happen all the time. No. It doesn't happen to everyone. Uri Geller, I love you. I think you're fantastic. Uh, what, what's your website so people can have a look at what you're doing? It's urigeller.com and I think you'll be amazed. Uri Geller, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. What a wonderful gentleman he is. Well, listen, we are out of time. If that worked, can you let me know? Ian.lee at bbc.co.uk and we'll talk about this tomorrow morning as well. Did, did Uri Geller fix your broken clocks, your blo- broken watches? Now, I have interviewed him before, and strange things happen when that man is, has been... I, I've been on TV with him. Strange things have happened, and people would phone up the next day and say, whoa, whoa hang on a second. When you had Geller on, my TV stopped working. Or did, did something happened. So if anything happened when Mr Geller was on just then, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. Stop! 
Ian Dot Lee, just reminding you what happened. Ian Dot Lee at BBC.co.uk. I A I N dot L E at BBC.co.uk. I lo- Listen, I have seen that man bend a spoon. He bent a spoon in front of my eyes. He just held it and he waggled it and it bent. It was the most amazing thing in the world. Some people may call him a charlatan. I think the man's a genius. A genius. Right, here's the travel news now. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, very busy heading into uh, Luton Airport, the uh, Spur Road Heavy, coming from the M1 Junction 10 to the Kidneywood Roundabout, but no reports of any accidents or problems, just heavy. The M25 anti-clockwise, it's taking about half an hour from Junction 18, Chorleywood, to Junction 15, which is the M4. And A1 southbound, just uh, short delays from Eaton Soken towards the Black Cat Roundabout. Uh, just check the trains, we've got a good service on all lines. Alan Cowie, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alan, thank you very much indeed. Right, that's it. That's your lot. Don't forget, if something amazing happened in the last five minutes, send me an email, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. We will collate all of the data and all of the information and we'll follow it up tomorrow morning. Oh, it's Friday tomorrow. We've got a bit of music in. Very excited about that. Back tomorrow at six o'clock. Thank you, everyone, who took part this morning. Don't forget, you can also have your say on facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr. JBS is up next. Until tomorrow from me, ta-ta. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Thursday. Coming up on today's Big Phone-In, do you think all mothers should go back to work to help the economy? The